the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So you don't want to get on the bad side of uh, a federal prosecutor, evidently. Because uh, Manafort got on the bad side of uh, Mueller and now has found himself found guilty, eight counts out of 18, and uh, they called a mistrial on the other uh, on 10 of them, which would say that if they want to come back and go after him some more, they could. We'll have to see if that's going to happen. How you feeling, man? $22 million. Nothing about Russian collusion. Not a thing. Not one single solitary thing. It's all about uh, tax evasion. It's all what it's about. Hiding money. So we got somebody that uh, on tax evasion and things of that nature. And bottom line, um, nothing else. So nothing that the special prosecutor was supposed to be able to find out about. Could he find anything out about? And he spent $22 million thus far doing it. I'll say what I said yesterday. Say it again. Goes to show the old saying still is true. When it comes to, uh, you know, the law, and especially something like this, the only people that walk away with money is the lawyers. I got to believe most of that $22 million is going in the bank accounts of uh, the special prosecutor and, and his team and all their investigators and everybody else that they have. What a freaking farce. And what a bunch of crap of how they're using our money. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So what what does all this mean? Does it, what does this mean for, for Trump? That, I mean, that's the big question. You know, Dershowitz has been saying the case against impeachment. That, you know, he understands the left has gone freaking crazy. And so what he's going to do, uh, what they're going to do is just they're going to keep on dragging this out, keep costing us money. With that in mind, Dershowitz talked about this, and I've got some very interesting things that he had to say. Let's start off with, hey, it's not, it's not a crime to pay your campaign money. That's not a crime. Here, listen to what Alan Dershowitz has to say. Cut number one. The author of The Case Against Impeaching Trump, he joins us right now from Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Professor, good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. So, Professor, so much is being made this morning about the possibility that the Michael Cohen charges could come back to impact the president. How, uh, first of all, do you see that happening? And is he in any legal peril? 
Well, the death knell that they've been sounding on some of the other cable television seems a bit exaggerated. There are many, many steps that have to be taken before the president's in legal jeopardy. First of all, you have to show that it's a crime. Uh, if Mr. Trump, the candidate, contributed several hundred thousand dollars to his own campaign to uh, pay hush money to women who were either truthfully or falsely alleging against him, that's not a crime. A candidate can contribute as much as he wants. If he directed somebody to do it intentionally, to pay it back, that's probably not a crime. The election laws are a morass of misdemeanors, felonies, crimes, non-crimes, with exceptions. So you have to get over the legal barrier first. Then you have to get over the credibility barrier. The only evidence that the president did anything that might be unlawful, even arguably, comes from a man who's admitted to be a liar who has a lawyer-client privilege with the president, unless there are exceptions to it. So there are a lot of barriers between what Cohen said yesterday in court. And remember, there's been no indictment, grand jury. There's only been a statement and allocution by a man who's admitted to criminal conduct. So we're far away from impeachable offense or criminal offense on the part of the president. All right. So there you have it. That's the long and short of it. $22 million for that thus far. Not a whole lot, to say the least. Well, Dershowitz appeared on uh, Tucker Carlson's show uh, last night on Fox and talked with Tucker about all of this. And, and, and here is what Dershowitz had to say to him. Professor, the most famous of them all, and the author of The Case Against Impeaching Trump. He joins us now to help sort this out. Professor, thanks a lot for coming on. So the Manafort story, I think, seems pretty cut and dry. He was convicted of tax evasion. Sounds like he did it. I don't think many people were surprised. Cohen, however, part of this guilty plea surrounds money that he moved, apparently, from Trump's accounts to a woman who alleged sexual contact with Trump. That's a very common scenario among famous people. As you know, we've seen a lot of that in the last year, people paying off women who say they had sexual sure. contact with the affluent person. Is that illegal? How is that a crime? Well, itself, it's not a crime. And if the president had paid it directly, it wouldn't be a crime. The allegation here is that it was Cohen who paid it and made a campaign contribution, which he didn't report, at the direction of the president. And, of course, some stations are already playing the funeral music for uh, President Trump. But this is much more complicated and much more uh, nuanced. First of all, the crime itself is very, very vague. They tried to uh, put Edwards, the former presidential candidate, on trial. And, of course, they got an acquittal. But second, it really require, uh, depends completely on the credibility of Cohn. And remember, as Judge Ellis said, uh, when they squeeze people like Manafort or Cohen, uh, they squeeze them not only to sing, but sometimes to compose. And it's very easy to embellish a story. Let's assume hypothetically it's true that he did pay the money and it was designed to help the impact of the election. That wouldn't involve the president. All he has to do then is say, and the president directed me to do it. That's the kind of embellishment that people put on a story when they want to avoid dying in prison. When the prosecutor says to them, you have two choices, you'll die in prison or you can give me a story that I can use to go and get the president. I'm not suggesting that happened here. But the risk of that happening is what Judge Ellis talked about in, in the Manafort case. And we may see that uh, at work here. So we're a long way from, uh, you know, tolling the bells for this administration. It's a but bad still, day. I, I, it's I, a negative day. It's but a not, bad day, but for not, sure. not a fatal one. Yeah. But I'm still a little bit confused. But so if somebody comes one. to you and says, 
If somebody says to you, and you're running for office, and the person says, give me money or I will humiliate right. you in public, and you do give that person money or instruct your lawyer to give that person money, that's a campaign donation? Not if you make it yourself. But if somebody else pays the money in order to influence the outcome of the election, it is technically, perhaps, a violation of the election laws. That's what they try to get Edwards on. It didn't work. They got an acquittal and hung jury, and they never tried him again. But, you know, again, violation of election laws are regarded as kind of jaywalking in the realm of things about elections. Uh, And there are so many of them. Every administration violates the election laws. Every candidate violates the election laws when they run for president. Usually they pay a fine, something like that happens. Here they're trying to elevate this into an impeachable offense or a felony against the president. Look, they may name the president as an unindicted co-conspirator. They did that with Nixon, even back then, I complained about that because naming somebody as an unindicted co-conspirator is very unfair because he has no opportunity to defend himself or herself. And yet that may happen. So this is the beginning of a story that will unravel over time, but it's not nearly as deadly lethal as some have portrayed it as being. It's certainly confusing as a matter of law. But Professor, thank you for, for explaining that. Appreciate it. All right, so that, that's the, the whole thing. But, you know, Dershowitz saying, you know, when you get into, you know, money being given to a campaign and everything, it can all, it, it looks, it's just a small uh, irritant. And uh, they really don't have anything big to go after the president. What they're trying, as Alan Dershowitz was trying to show you, is that they're taking a molehill and trying to build it into a mountain. They're trying to take something, as he said, a jaywalking offense, and turn it into high crimes and misdemeanors. Remember that that is what you need, high crimes and misdemeanors to uh, get the, the goods on somebody who's a president and impeach them. This does not rise in any way, shape, or form to high crimes and misdemeanors. This sounds like Maybe, uh, you know, you you didn't give the ice cream guy out on the corner, uh, you know, the exact amount of money and you knew it and you walked away and they're, you know, they're wanting to take it as uh, you just did grand theft uh, to get the hot dog. It's it's silly. It's and it's wasting your money. Uh, this should be irritating every voter left, right, middle Antifa. White supremacist, whoever you are, should be irritating you. It's $22 million, and that was a month ago, that they've spent on this lunacy. It's lunacy. Tomorrow we'll talk about this, uh, even more so, because Ann Coulter is going to join us tomorrow. And she's got stuff to say about it, too. should be a whole lot of fun to hear what she has to say at 4 o'clock tomorrow here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All the cannons coming out. I'm just telling you, we're getting them on the air too, bringing them on and talking to you. Jr. be here tomorrow. We got a lot today, but I'm just kind of giving you a heads up about what tomorrow uh, will bring. There's another guest that I'm working on as well about tomorrow. But listen to what Dershowitz is saying. It's not like he's a, a happy camper uh, 
or a, a, a lawyer uh, who is a, a person who's, uh, you know, not liberal. He is. He's one of the biggest libs around. But he knows when people are acting insane, and he's been watching the left do it ever since uh, Trump started running for the presidency. Scaramucci had something to say about it as well. Let's get that in. It's cut number two. Here's what he had to say about what happened yesterday. Scaramucci, let me go to you first as we watch the president here. Um, Your reaction to these convictions today? Well, my heart goes out to the families, and uh, I think it's obviously uh, a devastating situation for them. But I think as it relates to the president, I think Mayor Giuliani is going to be correct that he is going to be shielded uh, from both of those cases. And so uh, people that are looking for the smoking gun here that's going to take out the president, it's not in those two cases. And so we'll have to see what else happens in the Robert Mueller report. But what's clear is that you can't indict a sitting president. So even in Mueller's situation, he probably puts a report uh, together, brings it up to the Congress, and then it'll be up to the Congress, depending on who's controlling the Congress, Big question there. as to what happens. But uh, the president's hoping, uh, I, I don't to... think this hurts the president. It's bad facts. There's no question about it. But I'm talking about procedurally yeah. and legally. I don't think it hurts the president. All right. All right. Uh, let me remind you about something else. There's somebody else out there shooting his mouth off. That's uh, that's Lanny Davis. You know, he's the, the uh, lawyer uh, for Cohen. Now, if you're any kind of, uh, you know, person who spends time reading about politics and have been for any time, like back at, no, I don't have any sound from him. Uh, I don't know if I would, would play it, to be honest, even if I had it. Bottom line is, Lanny Davis was a close confidant of the Clintons. Do you really think that he suddenly turned into a guy that, can turn a blind eye, uh, that he can go out and maybe put torpedoes into the number one Republican that's out there? Don't think so. All right, don't think so. I mean, he was out today talking about how Trump committed a criminal act that corrupted our democracy. I might, I've got a piece of, of audio. I might have, I might get Russ to pull it up just so we use it maybe in the next segment, just so you can see how it stupid these people have become unbelievable need to talk about sunny's auto salvage it's your number one choice for recycled auto parts and by the way i hope you paid attention to what dershowitz said when they come and they go after you as an unindicted co-conspirator you don't even get to to defend yourself in that if they don't indict you they don't you don't get up in front of a grand jury you don't get in front of a judge they make all kinds of statements about you that they don't have to prove that's why they do it that way. All right, Sunny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I use Sunny's. I use them extensively. Uh, just in the last six months, I bought a motor from them. I bought a transmission from them. I've bought rear tail lights, and I've bought even smaller things than that. I'm going to buy some motors uh, for the window on my driver's side as well because the one I've got, yeah, it works sometimes. Doesn't it works about seventy five percent of the time? So I need to get one that I I'm going to have for a hundred percent of the time, and I'll get the three year warranty on it, parts and labor, unlimited mileage, and uh, if something goes wrong with it, then uh, I can take it back over to Sunny's and get it fixed. So I need to call him to get that set up, so I can get over and and get it put put in. But no matter what size the part is, 
if it can be gotten off of one of his well-maintained total loss vehicles that you're trying to replace the, the part for that kind of vehicle that you own, he'll help you out with it. And it's not just at his salvage yard. He's hooked up to thousands of salvage yards all over the United States, Canada, Mexico, I think uh, overseas as well. And he can find the part that you need for your automobile. All you need to do is give him a call, 982-7451, 982-7451. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage. All right, so let's hear from Lanny Davis, the lawyer for Cohen, the lawyer from the Clintons. He just hangs around all the criminals. Now to Michael Cohen's attorney, Lanny Davis. Lanny, thank you for joining us uh, thank this you for morning. Having me. Is Michael Cohen prepared to tell everything he knows about President Trump to special counsel Robert Mueller and other prosecutors? Yes, 100 percent. That's the decision he made, and that led to what happened yesterday, and that's why his feelings right now are a mixture of the pain he went through for his family, but relief and liberation that he can now speak completely the truth. Uh, without the shadow of the potential prosecution hanging over him. In court yesterday, he implicated President Trump in a federal crime. As you know, President Trump's defenders are already attacking Mr. Cohen's credibility. Does he have evidence to support those claims? Let me make 100% clear. The evidence was provided definitively by Donald Trump's lawyers. They wrote the special counsel and said Donald Trump directed Michael Cohen to make these illegal payments. That's not a dispute. It's not about credibility. It's his lawyers in a letter used the word directed. Rudy Giuliani said, don't believe what Trump said on Air Force One. It's not a crime to lie to the American people. And he said Donald Trump reimbursed Michael Cohen. So to be clear, if Michael Cohen committed a federal crime at the direction of President Trump, Does that mean President Trump committed a federal crime? President Trump committed a criminal act that corrupted our democracy. That's what the campaign finance laws are about. The same way that the Russians complicit with WikiLeaks and evidence that members of the campaign at least facilitated that conspiracy. You say that Michael Cohen is now liberated to tell the truth about President Trump. You just said he implicated President Trump in a federal crime. Can he implicate the president in other crimes? I don't know yet. I know that he needs help from the American people who have a vested interest in avoiding a president who commits crimes and denies Russian interference. What information does he have about the president? Does he have information about possible collusion with the Russians of the campaign that would be of interest to special counsel Robert Mueller? Well, I've got to be careful talking about what Michael Cohen has shared with me as an attorney. I'm not allowed to do that. Uh, But I can tell you it's my observation that what he knows that he witnessed will be of interest to the special counsel. That's my opinion. We'll see. Other investigative bodies, including the New York Attorney General? He will tell the truth to everybody who asks him about Mr. Trump. When he retained me, we had long conversations about exactly the issue. Will you tell the truth about Donald Trump after all the years that you were loyal to him and worked for him? His answer was, I want to hit the reset button. He needs help for himself and his family. And the Michael Cohen truthfund.com go-to site is for the American people who want to help Michael Cohen tell you the said, truth. 
you said he wants to hit the re- reset button. Rudy Giuliani said that his past actions show a pattern of lies and dishonesty. We heard similar words from the prosecutor yesterday. I think the question for a lot of Americans will be, Michael Cohen lied before. Why should we believe him now? I understand that the man who says truth isn't truth, Rudy Giuliani, has a strange definition of what truth is. But we're not debating anything today. Michael Cohen was directed, according to Donald Trump's lawyers, to do a criminal act. So whatever you attack on Michael Cohen's credibility, you can't attack Donald Trump's lawyers for using the words directed Michael Cohen to do that criminal act. Final question. Would Michael Cohen accept a presidential pardon? Does he want one? He will not and does not want anything from Donald Trump. After working for him all of those years, he came to the recognition that Donald Trump is a president unsuitable to have that office and the powers of that office, which he has abused and which Donald um, Trump will continue to abuse, perhaps using the pardon power. And Michael Cohen wants no part of that abuse. Lanny Davis, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. All right, go back to your apartment paid for by the Clintons. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next. Well, now you know why I really didn't want to play Lanny Davis. I mean, the guy's so full of crap. I don't know. Oh, God. Just listening to this guy. I mean, you, would would Cohen take a presidential pardon? I well, don't know. Well, he said that he didn't want anything for the president. That's not answering the question. The answer is, of course he would. If you bring you, if he gets some jail time and the president uh, gives him a pardon, he walks. He gets a jail, get out of jail free card. Of course he'd take it. Walk right out of the jail. Would Manafort? Absolutely, he would. Walk right out of jail. Will the president offer those? I don't know. That I don't know. If I were him, it would depend. For Cohen, probably not. Probably not. The guy's been lying his whole, his whole life. Unbelievable. And and they make him, they try to make him, you know, Davis, they try to make him look like, uh, you know, he's been uh, uh, Mr. Uh, the President's uh, fixer. Well, he didn't fix nothing. He wasn't fixing nothing. That's key. In fact, he failed miserably. Yeah, at he to really fix it. did. Absolutely. It's, the guy has, he, he wouldn't know the truth if it jumped up and bit him in the butt. I mean, it's that simple. It is that simple. And then his shot at uh, Giuliani, uh, that Giuliani has a strange definition of uh, tr- of, of truth. Or uh, was it was the truth? Is that what he, what they were? Yes, truth. It, 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 here's what Giuliani was trying to say. When you go into a court of law, and they ask you a bunch of questions, and you answer them to the best of your ability. And uh, they ask you, did you do this or did you do that? And let's say you say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Then they bring on somebody else after you, and they ask them, did you do A or B? And they give an answer different from yours. Now, it's very possible that the person who's differing from you is not telling the truth. But how does the jury know that? Because they don't. 
You don't know which one is telling the truth and which one isn't telling the truth. And then it's up to the jury in their own mind to try to determine who is telling the truth. Well, what if they choose the person that's not telling the truth? Then it's not about, it's not about the truth at that point. And it can get you into serious, serious jeopardy if the jury believes the other person and not you. You know, there's been people that have been sprung out of prison here in the last uh, couple of years because somebody lied on the stand and uh, and told a story that was different than the person who may have been now cooling their heels in prison for 20 years. Could have been the prosecuting attorney that didn't give all the information that he had. Just saying. That's what Rudy Giuliani saying. I mean, you get the president, he says, I didn't collude with the Russians. You get Comey gets up there, he says, we believe that he uh, he colluded with the Russians. So who do you believe? Who do you believe? You got two people telling you different stories. Who do you believe? Do you default to the president because he's the president? Do you default to Comey because he was the head of the FBI at the time? Just telling you. I mean, I understand what Giuliani was saying. He wasn't questioning if there's not there's no truth in the world. That's not what he was saying. But what he was saying in a court of law, the truth can be spoken by one person, not by another, and people accept the other person's uh, uh, story or, you know, what what they're, uh, they say is the truth, and it not be the truth. So we can leave it at that. I think everybody understands now what Giuliani was saying. He wasn't saying there ain't no such thing as the truth. That's not what he was saying. So anyway, uh, at the 5 o'clock hour of the show today, should be here with me uh, because Chris Lewis is going to join us. He is one of the country's better uh, prosecuting attorneys, and we're going to talk to him about the Manafort case and what does that reflect uh, towards the president as well as we're going to talk to him about the uh, Cohen uh, case as well. We'll have a half hour with him. We'll be on. He'll start uh, joining us at about 535. Uh, five o'clock, James Robbins is going to be with us, and he's written a new book, Erasing America, and he's going to talk about, uh, you know, the left and how they have tried to change the uh, the whole deal with uh, our history and uh, that the way that they're going, if they keep doing it the way that uh, it's happening and teaching it, uh, people 20 years from now are not going to know any of our history and what happened in this great nation of ours uh, that made it uh, a great place to live and a great place to to uh, make your career. So uh, that's all coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, at 3 o'clock hour, Jerry Cox is going to be here, family council president. He'll join us. We're going to talk about... Uh, they turned in the additional signed petitions yesterday dealing with casinos, uh, four casinos in Arkansas, and we're going to discuss that with him. Uh, it looks like they have the signatures now to get it on 
uh, the ballot, and we can talk about uh, that some here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget uh, about Aero Plumbing. Uh, they are the plumbers that I use. That's my default place to go. Um, bottom line is when they show up, they show up with a uh, you know a, a truck that's a warehouse on wheels. They got all the parts in that truck that are used to make uh, typical, normal uh, plumbing repairs, and they're going to do that uh, and be able to get it done for you quickly. Now, they do have a couple people back at the shop that if it's something else, uh, that when you get out there and it's something more complex, they can bring it out to get the work done at your house. Uh, Aero Plumbing is set and ready to come to your home or to your business, and if they have to burrow uh, under your, your slab or under your parking lot or under your flower bed, they can do that. They've got the technology to do that. They've got the technology to, uh, you know, fix pipes uh, that you have around your house without having to dig them up and put a new pipe in. They can go in and seal that leak and uh, make you good as new. They've got uh, plumbers that are master plumbers. they got plumbers that show up in uniform and look professional and act professional so that you, if uh, something goes wrong, uh, you can get your money back because you got the 100% satisfaction with uh, the service they provide. And if you're not happy with the service they've provided, they'll refund all of your money. It's everything that uh, Aero Plumbing is that makes them better than everybody else. Just check aeroplumbing.net. Aeroplumbing.net or Google Aero Plumbing. All right. As we move into the final segment today of the Dave Ellswick Show, uh, let me remind you about what Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics are doing. Uh, The first place that they opened their business uh, was in a house that had been built at the end of the 1800s. And they... uh, took that house and uh, put Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics in it back in the uh, the mid to late 80s. And they uh, they thrived there. They did well there. People went and saw Gary Horton there. Now they're seeing his sons there. They're seeing his daughter there. And then they've got other places that you can go now and uh, across the state and get the great services that Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics uh, offer you. Now, that first location, well, they understood that it had a lot of age under uh, under their being there. So what they've done this year is they have done a, a demo and a complete rehaul, uh, renovation of Horton's Orthotics and Prosthetics on 12th Street. And uh, they're making it into a state-of-the-art facility, got the latest technology and prosthetics there. A new gate room. They got a large new uh, waiting room that they've built. Uh, they have a, a room specifically for women who have had mastectomies, so that you'll have a place that you can go and can be private, give you all the comfort you need while you're being fitted and being taken care of. Because that's what Hortons does with their patients. They take good care of you. They help you, you know, reach the mobility that you want or the way that you want to look because you've had to have a mastectomy. Remember, six locations. Once this one's back open and running again with the updated facility in Little Rock, there's also North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. 
That's uh, Horton's Orthotics and uh, Prosthetics, uh, where they're providing a lifetime of support. All right, there is some more uh, news going on, so let's uh, let's touch on that real quick about uh, Molly Tibbetts. That was the young lady that was out jogging in Iowa and disappeared, and they've found whom they believe is the guilty party. Uh, they have some really good evidence against the person. And as is too many of the cases in murders in this country, whether it's, uh, you know, cold-blooded murder where you, you go out and just shoot somebody or, uh, you know, you're driving with DWI or something like that and you kill somebody, uh, the perpetrators are illegal uh, immigrants. And in this case, it's another case like that. This time, Molly uh, Tibbetts, the police had a uh, news conference and Here's what they had to say they found. have confirmed with Homeland Security Investigations that he is an illegal alien, and we believe he has been in this area now for four to seven years. How did you, how did you come into contact with him? How did you get on your radar? Well, during the investigation, we reached out to the public, as you well know. And during our neighborhood canvas, we came across an individual that had security cameras. We took those cameras. He was kind enough to give us the footage from it. And through that, we're able to identify a vehicle that uh, we believe belonged to Mr. Rivera. It was a black Malibu. And from that, we're able to track his pattern and the the routes in which he took. We're also able to find Molly running on this video. And we're able to determine that he was one of the last ones to have seen Molly running based on the video, again, that we were able to seize from the general public. I'm sorry. Well, again, we were able to pull him in during the investigation. We conducted a lengthy interview with Mr. Rivera. And during that interview, he tells us that he sees Molly running and was able to uh, come upon her, approach her. And while he was interfacing with her he actually tells us that he ran alongside of her or behind her and then at one point he tells us that molly grabbed a hold of her phone and said you need to leave me alone i'm going to call the police and then she took off running he in turn chased her down and then he tells us that at some point in time he blacks out and then he comes to near an intersection which we believe he then placed molly all right he blacked out. Don't remember killing her, you know. So anyway, uh, illegal alien. Uh, maybe we shouldn't have illegal aliens. Let me think like a leftist here for just a second, uh, Russ. This is difficult for Russ and I to do because they are so weirded out. This is where you get people who say, you know, if we didn't have illegal aliens, things like this wouldn't happen. Because don't you know that the reason this happened, he saw this young lady and he found her, I'm sure he found her attractive. Pictures I've seen of her, very nice. I mean, she looks like a very, very pretty girl. And uh, so he was trying to come on to her. And then Molly uh, said, I'm going to call the cops. If you keep bothering me, I'm going to call the cops. And evidently looked like she was going to do that and had took off running. Now, he had to... Yeah, now, this is where this is how the left twists things, Russ. See if I'm not right. You tell me if you don't think I'm right, what they, what they think at times. 
Well, he went after her. He didn't go after her to hurt her. He didn't go after her to assault her. No. He knew he was an illegal alien. So he didn't want Molly calling the police, and then maybe the police would find out that he was an illegal alien. So because of that, he had to go now and kill her so that they wouldn't know that he was an illegal alien. That's I'm just telling you. And then the left says, see, that's why we shouldn't have illegals. Don't call them illegal aliens. Don't, don't be pressing on them or anything because all you're doing is perpetrating crime. Now, that's the way a lefty thinks. You know, the way I think, the guy saw the girl. He thought she was pretty. He was going to assault her. She said, he said, uh, she said, I'm going to call. He went, tried to take advantage of her and ended up killing her and then put her, uh, put her body out there by that field where he was close to. Just cold-blooded murder. That's bottom line. That's the way it worked. So anyway, let's see if they try to use that. I, you watch and watch in articles and see if somebody doesn't bring that up. It's usually one of the things that they'll say to show you that we we don't need to have uh, be calling people illegal aliens. Uh, Trump uh, mentioned uh, yesterday uh, how he felt about Manafort, and I've got that for you. Here's what he had to say. I feel very sad about that. Uh, it doesn't involve me, but I still feel, uh, you know, it's a very sad thing that happens. This has nothing to do with Russian collusion. This started as Russian collusion. This has absolutely nothing to do. This is a witch hunt, and it's a disgrace. But this has nothing to do with what they started out, looking for Russians involved in our campaign. There were none. I feel very badly for Paul Manafort. Again, he worked for Bob Dole. He worked for Ronald Reagan. He worked for many, many people. And uh, this is the way it ends up. And it was not the original mission, believe me. It was uh, it was something very much different. So had nothing to do with Russian collusion. We continue the witch hunt. Thank you very much. Yeah, he's right. That's nothing to do with Russian collusion. What they were able to do is to say they were looking for Russian collusion and go through his financials, and they found he had broken the law in some other areas, and that's what they got him for, and they punished him for it. And I believe they punished punished him for it because he wouldn't work with the special prosecutor. You remember what they, they say and what Dershowitz said earlier this hour. You know, when you start squeezing a person, they— Maybe you do it to try to make them sing. Remember the other part that Dershowitz said, and I, I think it's just such a great way of putting it. You squeeze hard enough, and they'll start to compose. That's what I, That was awesome, Russ. I mean, the way Dershowitz said that. Squeeze them hard enough to get them to sing, and you squeeze them a little harder, and they'll start composing for what that uh, you want them to say for you because they're telling them, you know, we can put you in jail for the rest of your life. You'll never see God's blue sky other than behind the walls of a prison. That's the bad part about making deals. Got to understand it. You got you to gotta weigh that. And, boy, I if I were on a jury like that, I don't know if I'd believe anybody who turned state's evidence if 
they were getting a deal out of it from the prosecutor of like, well, yeah, he killed two people, but, uh, you know, we're not going to charge him for that because he's uh, worked with us so we can get, quote, the big guy. Yeah, well, that's the way our justice system works at times, and it's it's really sad, to be honest with you. All right, coming up next hour, uh, Jerry Cox, family counsel, he's going to join us. We're going to talk about issue one. That's the tort reform issue. And uh, today in the newspaper, in the dim gas, it says uh, the people who are trying to get the uh, casinos here in the state of Arkansas I'll give you a chance to vote on it coming up uh, later on uh, this year in November uh, has enough signatures to get this uh, initiated act on the ballot. We'll talk to him about casinos as well when the Dave Ellswick show continues. But first, let's find out what's happening with the news. Yeah, well, it's same here, man. number. <laughs> All right. Back with you, Dave Ellswick show. Jerry Cox is here. Good to have him along with us. Family council. Couple of, uh, well, there was one real big story uh, in the uh, paper today, and that dealing with the 2018 proposed casino amendment uh the group that is pushing it uh says that they have enough signatures they've gotten 70 plus thousand and then i think they need like almost eighty five thousand. they've gone out and gotten another forty thousand. they feel like now they have because you're allowed a curing time and they got the uh the necessary signatures they believe and they can get it on uh the ballot now this proposal allows four casinos to be built in the state of arkansas and that's it, right okay that's right by pine bluff uh russellville those are two places and then by the the, the racetrack how interesting <laughs> and the dog track right again how interesting <clears throat> they just automatically get to be casinos yeah and what what i find interesting dave is all these years Oakland is that oh we are games of skill we're not a casino right and now with one stroke of an amendment they're going to have the same thing going on over there but all of a sudden they're going to be a casino and so it's all just a um i don't know what to call it it, it if i should call it a scam or a sham or what words to use for it because when it's all said and done these folks are just writing themselves into the arkansas constitution there, uh, you know, it, it's not like you or I could go over to Hot Springs and open a casino, or you or I could go to Russellville and open one. Uh, it's written in such a way that only these certain people get to have a monopoly on that. And it's just a, uh, aside from all the other things that are bad about casinos coming to a community, uh, once again, we see powerful interest groups writing themselves into the constitution and i would bet you a dollar or even more that there were almost none of their signatures gathered by volunteers they paid people three dollars a name or whatever it is to go gather the signatures so these powerful gambling interests have bought their way to the arkansas ballot and they're going to try to trick people into voting for this under the guise of oh it's good for the economy we're driving arkansas forward give me a break they are not building these casinos as a benevolent act to help the poor people of arkansas no because casino never loses money it will <laughs> always make money haven't you heard the house always wins it always wins it, yeah it does 
Well, my whole thing is, and we've had to vote on casinos before here in the state of right. Arkansas. And every time it comes up, it seems to me, on the ballot, it comes up as this person or this group will be the ones that run it. Yes, and, yes. And, and I mean, they get to run it. They get to take all the money and then... Out of their their benevolence, they'll say we'll give the state X amount of dollars. And you know what? If I'm not mistaken, the taxes on our existing casinos in Hot Springs and West Memphis, I believe, will actually go down. So they're actually cutting their taxes that they currently pay, and doing it in such a way that they make people think, "Oh, well, they're going to use all this money to help build roads and do all these good things for the state of Arkansas." And then you start looking at their tax rate, and you're like, "But I think it's less than what they're paying now." Mm-hmm. And uh, and I haven't crunched all the numbers because it's a complicated structure. But there's just so much about this that the voters need to know before they walk into the voting booth. And pretty much it is. It's these special interests writing themselves into our Constitution. And I don't like it. I mean, I'm, I'll vote against this just like I voted against the other ones. Now, if they want – and I've, you and I have talked about yeah, this many sure. times. Yeah, sure. We probably would disagree. We disagree but, on casinos in general, but we agree specifically on laws like this. Right. I'm all about having a clean bill that says you can build a casino here in Arkansas. However, in whatever county you want to build it in, you got to have their support as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and l- let me say something about the and, – and, Dave, you're exactly right. I, I told you before we went on the air, really a more pure way to do this, and I, I wouldn't be for it, but a more pure way would just to be able to say – you know what? If you want to open a casino, have at it. Mm-hmm. If you want to open one across the street from Oaklawn and, and create competition, go for it, dude. I, I still wouldn't be for it because I think the casinos harm the local people and take advantage of the poor, but it would be more pure uh, and above board than this kind of roundabout way of writing certain people into the Constitution. I'm all about people being able, I don't see anything illegal about or morally Mm -hmm. wrong about gambling, but the bottom line is is that they should have the choice to go where they want to go, not not being told you can only go these four Well, and see, the, the unspoken thing about these casinos going in, it's already out there that the Cherokee tribe will get to run the one in Russellville and the Quapaw tribe will run the one in Pine Bluff. How come, and that raises a real just quick question for you, how has it been difficult for these tribes to get their casinos anyway? I mean, they didn't have any problem with it in Oklahoma. Well, part of it's because they had tribal recognition to ancestral lands in Oklahoma. Okay. Uh, You see, and here in Arkansas, there are no tribal ancestral lands recognized by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. And so you may have seen attempts of the Cherokee and Quapaw to get tribal recognition for certain land where they once lived here Uh in Arkansas. But so far, the Bureau of Indian Affairs it, it has been the gatekeeper to that, and they've not recognized any of that here in That's Arkansas. But in Oklahoma, tribal ancestral lands abound because that was obviously the Indian territory at one time. 
So it's just been easier for them to locate in Oklahoma. Thus, you see the string of casinos up and down the Arkansas-Oklahoma border right? Uh, and all that. But what they're doing, since they don't have ancestral tribal land recognition here, they're going to slip in and say, well, we have experience running casinos in Oklahoma, and your amendment says it has to be someone with experience. And so they're putting look – at, look at who's funding these efforts. It's the Cherokee tribe and the Quapaw tribe. They're all in the ethics reports and all that. And so they've been paying, helping pay people to gather the signatures, and you can bet they'll be heavily involved in the advertising. But the whole name – driving arkansas forward i went through greenville mississippi yesterday on my way back from the beach okay and let me tell you i was talking about pictures on facebook greenville is not the lap of luxury in fact i used to live down in lake village for five years and that area of the state has casinos and it it is um it is not doing as well economically as it did 40 years ago and so this whole idea of these casinos bringing prosperity, it's, it's just false. It just doesn't work. Drive through parts of Oklahoma and show me the prosperity the casinos have brought. The only thing prospering is the casino itself. That's all. the only thing that's prospering. And there were some people down in Greenville, Mississippi, that told us years ago, they said, yeah, the casino promised they'd pave the roads. The only road they paved was the one to the casino. And that's about right. Mm-hmm. So, question, I remember a, a few years back, I don't remember what year it was, but this, this issue came up on the ballot, and Oak Lawn and the dog track over, uh, was it Southland? Is yeah, it? Southland. Yeah. Uh-huh. They they put money in to defeat that. Yes, yes. Why, why the change this time? Well, um, Oaklawn and Southland get an automatic license to be full-fledged casinos now. Okay. They've had to kind of skirt around it. Well, these are games of skill. It's a slot machine, but it takes some skill. I don't see how that works. But <laughs> anyway, they, they've tried to skirt around it. Under this, there's no pretense. They are full-blown casinos, but it gives them an extra measure of gambling that they can do where it sets it up where they can do any kind of gambling that there is. So they could have dealers and and they can have live people. Sports running. sports betting. Oh, that, well, think that's about big that. now that it's think been about that, Dave. found legal. Yeah. Huge deal. See, so it gives them the ability to get in the sports betting department, and I think it enhances their ability to do online kind of okay. gaming as well. And so it's it's really for them the sky is the limit and so but out of these casino measures it's required that a certain percentage of the money that goes to the state be given to the racetracks to the horse track and the dog tracks to subsidize them and their operations really yeah and so what you have is skimming off of the casino proceeds and you think well we're going to use this to build a road or to build a school or to well maybe some of it dribbles off over there but a big chunk of it goes right back to oakland and southland so the they bought their allegiance in my opinion okay so if they could if they were became casinos and they could do you know uh, sports betting and all that kind of stuff 
Do you see Oaklawn and Southland pushing for OTB at that point? That I don't know. But if there's money involved, then you can bet there will be. There's a lot of money involved yeah, in off-track yeah, track yeah, betting, yes. Yeah. I, so so that, that begs an int- I hadn't thought about that. I had not really thought about that, Dave, until you just mentioned it. Because we really don't have that right, here in the state. Right. And so I, mm, I don't know. I, I'd have to think about that. That's a new one. But just know that it opens up all kinds of sports betting and roulette and just the typical kinds of things that you'd have at a casino. So there's the, the really, I think, the people that wanted the casino in Russellville and wanted the one in Pine Bluff knew that unless they put something in it for Oakland and Southland, that they would do just what you said. They would fight it. Mm-hmm. But they sat down at the table, it would appear to me, and they gave them what they wanted. And so they said, okay, you've given us something. We won't oppose your effort to go to go into Pine Bluff and Russellville. And um, I know there's a group of people in Russellville that are opposing it. Yes, they, they have been out uh, signing petitions. Yeah, and working against it. But here's the thing. They say, well, it's up to – and see, the way they wrote the, wrote the amendment – if the mayor agrees that it can go it can go into a town right right if the city council agrees it can go into one of the towns into Russellville or Pine Bluff if the quorum court agrees it can go into the county or if the county judge agrees so you got four entities there it only takes one of those to agree let's just say for the sake of debate that in Russellville nobody would agree county judge says no mayor says no quorum right. court says no how much money do you think the Cherokee tribe would spend to put their person in as oh, the city yeah. council of Russellville, put yeah. their person in as county judge of Pope County, or put enough people on the quorum court? How much money would they spend? Or to get a mayor elected. Yeah. How much would they spend? They would spare no expense. Can you see the corrupting factor that comes into that? Because a person that was bought and paid for by an indian tribe out of oklahoma to be the mayor of russellville is probably not going to be good for the city of russellville in a whole as a whole and same thing with pine bluff and so there's a corrupting factor that travels with these casinos because they have a monopoly all right we're going to come back talk more about this you got a question 823-0965 that's the number to call in Eight two three zero nine six five. Dave Ellswick show you know if you want a career working with a great company you can work with your hands you like to work outdoors you know you want to build your own career well join up with folks over at PI Roofing and Home Solutions they're expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow you can build your future with them PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities in their commercial roofing and service division residential roofing and service division and home solutions division so uh, go make a difference with them and uh, climb your ladder of success with the folks at pi roofing apply at piroofing.com or call 501-707-3551 okay we continue jerry cox is here of course he is with Family Council. We're talking about what's going on with the proposed 2018 casino amendment. It looks like they've got the necessary signatures now uh, to be able to get it onto the ballot in November. Now, I read the story today in the paper. You said 
that your organization may be challenging uh, the amendment. Can you give us any information on that? Well, I can give you a little bit, and it's all still developing, but um, I've actually been working with uh, different interested individuals, some of them in Russellville, some here in Little Rock. And uh, the, the, the short of it is I, I believe that there are some major deficiencies between the ballot title and the text of the measure. And, and Dave, as you know, when, when people go to vote, you, they're not going to show you the 1,000-word measure or 2,000 or oh, 10,000. No, you know, it's, it's usually a summary, first couple you know, of that little, sentences. That little old fine print summary. Yeah. Well, if that little summary that is a part of the amendment does not adequately tell the voter what's in the measure – then the Supreme Court can remove the measure from the ballot and say, listen, th- this was misleading to the voter. The voter couldn't know what they were voting on because of the poor writing of the summary. There are some things wrong with that summary. Um, and I'll give you one example. Um, in the summary, it specifically mentions Oaklawn and Southland by name. Mm-hmm. In the measure itself, it doesn't. Now, I don't know if that's sufficient enough to for somebody to knock it off the ballot or not, but why would they not make the two consistent? And so if you lay the two side by side, the summary and the measure itself, I'm just saying that it, it doesn't actually tell you everything you need to know as a voter. And so that'll be up to the Supreme Court if indeed a lawsuit does happen. It's not been filed. Um, don't know if it will be. But that is an option. That is an option. All right. And then uh, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the policy brief that you all put out yes. dealing with this. Yes. Uh, how do people go about getting a copy? Does this go on uh, familycouncil.org? Yes. They should be able it. to get it on, on there. But also our phone number is 501-375-7000, 501-375-7000. Uh, and people can call us and uh, get get information on a number of things including this but it's familycouncil.org okay now at the bottom it says does this authorize internet gambling and smartphone gambling and uh, state and federal law already have allowed oaklawn to accept wagers from arkans or arkansans online via its website yes however the wording in the amendment says they offer gambling via any electronic device so that could let people gamble through the casino's website as well and over your smartphone or whatever on your computer at home that would keep them from having to have you know otb site yeah i guess it would but what would prevent dave what would prevent you as a restaurant owner from putting computer terminals they're in your restaurant. That's, that's and, and true. And people walk into the restaurant and they order their food and they sit there and they gamble away online. It'd look like Vegas. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the craziest thing about Vegas. First thing you see when you get off at the airport. Oh, yeah. I've been is there. Is the machines. Yeah. And people are sitting there playing them right there in the yep. airport. And, and, and again, whether or not people think it's harmful to society, people ought to stop and say, but do you want to give a monopoly to just a four individual groups out here and have them written into the Constitution? Is that smart to do that? And I would say no. 
it's 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 not right to let them buy their way to the ballot by circulating petitions and paying people to gather the signatures and then try to impose this upon the people of Arkansas here. It's not for the good of the people that they're doing this. All right, so this is where the rubber hits the road, and, of course, that is the money. Uh, you don't get something like this done unless you're willing to spend some money. The Quapaw tribe has spent more than half a million dollars on this me- measure. Leaders from the tribe have said they want to open a casino in Pine Bluff in Jefferson County. Uh, the, uh, the Cherokee tribe uh, has contributed more than half a million dollars to the measure, and they've indicated they'd like to open a casino near Russellville right. in Pope County. I, yeah. we've, we alluded to that, but that is a known fact. It is understood that these are going to be the entities that run those casinos. And the measure has some kind of obligatory language that somebody will choose the provider and all that stuff. But it's already been worked out. They wouldn't be putting the money in. All right. Let's talk about it when we come back. Got to get to the news. Talking about the casino. Looks like that amendment's going to be on the ballot. We'll talk about that in all the other things nobody wants to talk about when we come back. All right, if you've missed uh, the first half of the show, we've been talking about the 2018 casino uh, amendment that looks like it's going to get on the uh, ballot uh, for the November 6th election. Uh, They've now submitted, uh, I guess it says 96,000 petition signatures to the Secretary of State's office. You know, that when I think that they got to do that, that's got to be one of the most boring jobs. (laughs) I'm just saying, sit there and count that and make I, sure they're they're correct. Yeah, that. But hey, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to. And they're do getting it. paid for doing yeah, it. Yeah, so. that's true. And you know what, Dave? The people that gathered those signatures got paid handsomely. Well, yeah, you and I, I have done. We should have. We should have quit our day jobs and gone out and gathered signatures because some people do it for a, li- a yeah, livelihood. You can. Yes, you can do. actually three dollars a name. I mean. You know, do the math. I mean, you get 100 names, that's $300 a day right there just out gathering signatures. Yeah, and and that's about the only way you're going to do it. I mean, the whole thing of just doing it using volunteers is uh, – you well, can try, but it. it's tough. Yeah, I've done it. On the marriage amendment? No, oh, okay. We had 5,000 volunteers, well, and we gathered 200,000 signatures. But that was an issue that – real grassroots they cared about that's hot man back in 2004 they cared nuclear yeah (laughs) uh, it was but see people in arkansas are not pounding the table saying i've just got to have a casino just give me a casino or i've just got to stop anybody who wants a casino i I don't think there's that much right for or against them but but that's why they had to pay people to gather the signatures is because if if it was something the people of Arkansas really, really, really wanted, then they, they wouldn't have to pay people so much to go gather the names in the first place and buy their way to the ballot. But these are powerful money interests, Cherokee tribe, Quapaw tribe, and others that are looking to expand their markets into Arkansas. Making, in Oklahoma, they're making a killing. Absolutely. And drive through Oklahoma and tell me how much prosperity those casinos have brought to the average person just living in a community in Oklahoma. Zero. Zero prosperity. It's gone the other way, in fact. And so what you see is more bankruptcies, more marriage breakups, 
more people gambling away their grocery money it sucks the money out of the local economy and it's not like people are going to come from all over the world to go to pine bluff to a casino i'm sorry it's just not going to happen people think oh we'll be like las vegas no you won't you're going to be like west siloam springs arkansas or oklahoma you're going to be like um, greenville mississippi that's what you're going to look like because here's the case i mean if you allow a casino to come in uh, you'd have to allow more than one to come in to get them to compete against right, each other right that's when you start getting them and they start offering shows and things like and in 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 vegas now it's kind of an off thing that you make money gambling right most people don't go to gamble right right but, but if you're there you go well i might as well give it a try sure yeah <laughs> and, and so but but it's just not going to work the way no they're going to make it sound and they're going to make it sound like oh well we're going to tax it and make a lot of money mm-hmm. on it. As I said earlier, my best, unless my math is off, Oakland and Hot Springs and Southland and West Memphis, I believe, are actually going to pay less in taxes under the new proposal than they do right now. And when it's all said and done, the taxes that are reaped off of these are not going to be enough to offset the harm that occurs because, Dave, people say, well, you know, we'll allow these this vice or that vice. The Brookings Institution did a study some years ago, and they said for every dollar that a community collects on a <laughs> cigarette tax or a tax on alcohol or a tax on whatever it is, there's about $9 worth of harm uh, to the community in the form of need more police. You, need, you have more marriages that break up, more bankruptcies, all these things. And these are harder to measure, but think about it. Does it really make sense that a society could drink, gamble, and smoke its way to economic prosperity? That's not how you create economic prosperity. You do it by creating real jobs where people make real livings and they support their families by having a a real career and not it's not it's not done through these other avenues all right let, let's talk about there's a couple more things i wanted to uh, sure. talk about casinos may operate 24 hours per day 365 days per year and will be permitted to sell or give away alcohol to patrons during all hours that the casino operates including christmas day even if the casino is located in a dry county yeah so that's just wrong on so many levels i mean do you really think a person is going to be rational if they're given free drinks while they're sitting there gambling away their money there's a reason they don't put clocks in casinos and why they pump oxygen that's into what casinos. i yeah it, it keep you awake keeps you awake keeps you going so that you you spend more money the object of that is not to oh we love you so much we're going to give you free drinks no it's so that you will stay longer and lose more of your hard-earned money. Or if you gamble enough money away, we might comp you a room. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, or give you a steak dinner or yeah, whatever it is. Absolutely. Because the house always wins. And so it, it really makes me angry when I see the supporters of this measure go on TV and talk about how they're doing this to help the economy of Arkansas. I, I, I just think, 
surely people are not going to fall for that. But I fear that some will. Well, some will because there's no arguing that it's going to create some jobs. But but think it, about it, doesn't Dave. override the, the negativity that can come with and it. And really, what jobs are going to be created? Are you going to get to be the janitor of the casino and sweep the floor? There's nothing wrong with being a janitor. Mm-hmm. But it's not probably going to be that real high-paying job that some people envision. What job is there at that casino that's going to create so much prosperity and if that were true, why do we not see huge circles of prosperity in Oklahoma, all around their casinos, in Mississippi, all around their casinos? It just isn't there. As I said, I drove through there yesterday on my way home. It's just not there. The prosperity is not there. All right. We got to take another break. We got one more segment to come up with Jerry Cox from uh, the Family Council talking about casinos here in the state of Arkansas. Again, I can't vote for this because it's giving just a few people an inside advantage to be able to have a casino. It's given the the tracks all kinds of advantages. If they give us a clean bill and we can vote on whether we want casinos or not, I can vote for that. We can make our minds up. Then you can make up your mind whether you want to go to it or not. Did you know that there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits and there's 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook and on top of it, the government will not let the Social Security Administration uh, tell you, uh, give you any kind of personalized advice about how you should take your Social Security. It's no wonder why as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year. Now, you can learn how you could wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 Guide to Social Security. Uh, And to get that, uh, all you got to do is uh, get a 2018 Guide to Social Security by calling 501-653-6690 from David Lucas of the David Lucas Show. You hear it here at 101.1 FM, The Answer, every Saturday at 10 and again at 3. This way you don't have to leave thousands of dollars on the table for your retirement. Go back all those uh, nickels that you've given. It's a lot more than just nickels. uh, That's rightfully yours. Call 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, for your uh, information, here are the people that uh, got the money uh, by looking at the financial reports. Uh, the amendment is being promoted by four different groups. One is driving Arkansas forward. Who makes up driving Arkansas forward, Jerry? Well, it's a coalition of individuals. The people out there in front on it are Don Tilton, um, Nate Steele, and some others. They were on the front page of the paper today with um, the casinos. With the, I mean, with the uh, petitions for the casinos mm-hmm. that they were turning in, but. Nate is the um, – and, and I consider Nate Steele a friend. He's their lawyer, basically, is what he is. But he's sort of become the face of the effort. Who's back there behind all that? We'd have to get out the financial disclosure reports and go over those and just line by line see who's donated money. Right. And I, I'm, I'm sorry to say I don't have those in front of me. The other group, the Arkansas Jobs Coalition – has been less visible, but they formed later. And um, 
you know, I, I I don't know if they're connected with the Quapaw tribe out of Oklahoma or exactly where they came from, but these I won't call them shadow groups, but these are front door window dressings for the people that are really behind it. So you got to go behind that and look and say who's back there. And when I keep tracing this, I go I, I keep going back to the two tribes. Okay, the Cherokee and the Quapaw out of Oklahoma. That's and what so I keep what they're going trying back to do is maybe trying to obscure people from seeing just how much money they're pouring into all of Well, that. you wouldn't want to put the Quapaw tribe up in front. You'd much rather have Nate Steele out there talking right. about it because he's an Arkansas guy. He was in the legislature. Like I said, I like Nate. He and I get along great. But, um, you know, much better for them to have Nate out there than it would be some guy from Oklahoma trying to get himself written into the Constitution. But I think at the end of the day, I think it's market expansion for these tribes coming in out of Oklahoma. Yeah, they're the other two uh, big money. Each have given more than half a million dollars apiece right. uh, to see this passed. And right now, just to see enough petitions right. get signed to right. get it on the ballot. This doesn't guarantee anything. This is only one-third of the fight, basically. I was talking to um, somebody today who was looking at buying some advertising this fall. And they just made an off-the-cuff comment, and they said one of the entities that has bought up tons of ad time are the casino people. That mm. They've bought a lot of advertising time. And so I expect to see these tribes put a bunch of ads on TV and just bury us in advertising that somehow that these casinos are good for us. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody that is a way to win. There's no doubt about it. It is a way uh, to win. Then lastly, the Oaklawn Jockey Club. Where did they put, uh, you know, play uh, in this game? uh, See, early on it looked like Oaklawn in Hot Springs and Southland over in West Memphis where we have the Greyhound track. But they also have casino games there. I mean, they're they're casinos. That's where they've done most of their expansion. Right, and that's where they make most of their money, I'm told. Well, They've opposed any other gamblers coming into Arkansas because, hey, this is our turf. We mentioned this a little earlier. So early on, it looked like they would be opposed to these tribes coming in, but evidently they must have sat down with Oakland and Southland and did a peace treaty of some sort or agreement where now these uh, Oakland and Southland get a cut. They get money back out of the casino uh, proposals for their tracks their horse and dog tracks and they get to be licensed as full-fledged casinos and there's no competition for it it's not like dave you or i could go over to hot springs and build a casino the amendment just says and they will be given a license so that means oakland and southland will be given a license and so they're just automatic and that means that they can do sports betting and other expanded kinds of betting and make more money and so again it's a monopoly all right so uh again you can get a lot of these facts off of the uh, sheet that they put together from the family council this is a policy brief on all of this so last part i wanted to get into the money because you always have to follow (laughs) the money uh the amendment taxes net casino uh, gaming receipts explain what net casino gaming receipts are i don't know that's good okay 
Is it, I don't is it that know. nephrus? Is that that kind of smoke and mirrors kind I of stuff? I think it is because I believe you're hard pressed to find a clear definition of that in the proposal. Okay. What what does net mean? Does that mean after the prizes are paid? Well, probably. Does that mean after they pay their overhead for running the casino? Maybe. Uh, where where does where does net actually happen? Where, where does it happen? Okay. And you, you ask a good question. I don't believe the amendments are clear on that. And there is where it probably gets referred back either to the legislature to figure that out or this racing commission that will issue the licenses and do rules and regulations and all that because not everything about this is spelled out in the amendment. Some of it will be worked out by the racing commission, which, again, we don't know how much influence these tribes and other gamblers are going to have on the racing commission right but i would say it could be considerable well you got to think that the racing commission who are always looking to be like at oaklawn uh-huh. to raise the the pots for right. the races that way you get better horses to come right. in and, and take part yeah the, the it's year. not like it's not like they're a police agency they're more like an extension of the gambling world yes. in my opinion well and they want to make sure yeah. there's bigger pots, bring in better horses, bring in bigger crowds, more it's just money a, and gambling. It's just a, it's a mess. Yeah, and it's, it's a, a mess. It's it a really mess waiting a to happen. <laughs> but it says here $150 million in net casino gaming, whatever that is, receipts, would be uh, charged 13% tax. After uh, you go over the 150, that's up to it. Uh, after the $150 million, you'd be taxed at a rate of. 20 percent yeah what if the legislature decided that was not enough Mm -hmm. couldn't change it can't change it no because it's law you know why because it's in the constitution that's right so they are writing their tax rate into the constitution dave the gamblers are being allowed to write their tax rate into the arkansas constitution now wouldn't you like to be able to do that for yourself that'd be nice right Write your own tax rate into a constitution where nobody could ever change it. Yeah. And and so they're doing what's best for them. Now take a look. Where will the net casino gaming receipts tax money go? Fifty five percent to the Arkansas General Revenue Fund. That's going to be distributed, of course, by the legislature. Seventeen and a half percent to the Arkansas Racing Commission. There it is. The money is to be used for horse racing and greyhound racing. Yeah, that's the bigger th- That's the payback to the the tracks. All right, eight percent to the county in which the casino is located, nineteen and a half percent to the city or town in which the casino is located. If the casino is located in a city or town, then the county will receive this money. Right, but Dave, the big operative question is: What are net? receipts absolutely because you know they're going to define net receipts to be the very smallest amount possible so their tax rate is so much smaller so i need to call nate uh, nate and see if i can't get nate Steele here on the show and talk to us about some tell, of this. tell us about that net. yeah what what is what is net what is is what is net yeah yeah <laughs> we need a definition of net what is net all right we were going to talk about issue one we'll have to do that in the uh, the future as well uh, I'm interested to see what happens with uh, now the challenge on issue one from uh, 
the lawyer um, first was his was it Dave or Dan Couch uh, that's bringing that up. Oh, to, David so, Couch. David Couch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, David. Yeah. He seems like a nice enough guy. I uh, had him on to talk about uh, the um, you know minimum wage a while back, right. which I still think is immoral. That the people we're a republic, we're not a democracy. You should not get the right to say that a company must pay you a certain amount of money. Well, there's a whole lot to say about that, and uh, yeah, <laughs> and we said a lot about it yesterday with with State Senator Alan Clark. Yep, Jerry. It's always nice to have you in. Well, thank you. You came in on a very short notice, but I saw that that uh, article in the paper today, and I wanted to kind of look at this from every angle we could. Hey, this is fun to talk about because there's so much that people need to know. Yeah, yeah. You, you want to be well informed before you 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 pull the lever in the voting booth. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I'm just telling you from my own personal feelings. I I'm going to vote against it just because I want a clean bill mm-hmm. uh, that I can vote for and say, do you want casino gambling in the state or not? If they give me that choice, you'll probably get my vote Yeah, because I'll let you decide then whether you want to go to the casino. But this is a monopoly. Yep, it is. <laughs> it absolutely is. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, Joe is coming up here in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll talk to him. Duck is not going to be making it. He's under the weather. But Joe... He and I have been doing it for a while. I don't think we'll have any problem con- con- uh, containing uh, our enthusiasm about talking about cars when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Four o'clock, a Wednesday, hump day, middle weekday, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing because it means we're going to talk about cars. We can give you information that you'll not hear in a lot of other places, and uh, it can be very uh cost savings for you it can be a whole lot of hassle saving for you but joe is here today and uh, he'll answer any of your car questions you might have we're going to talk about different things of uh, dealing with automobiles and uh, maybe information you hadn't heard about uh duck isn't here today he's under the weather and uh, if he's listening in we hope you feel better brother and we'll see you again next wednesday here on the dave ellswick show now, the gift that we're giving away today, and we'll give it away in the first break as we go into it, is a mini charger for your battery. Uh, this is called Charge It. It's battery maintenance, automatic charger. Uh, it says if it has the red light on, it's charging. If there's a green light on, means it is charged. And uh, it's a battery charger maintainer. maintainer. Yep. So uh, know that this is a nice little thing to keep in your car. Well, in your shop or at your house, if you have a boat, you know, maintain the battery in the boat during the wintertime. Same thing with your SUVs. So uh, to trickle. Uh, yeah, your, you know, your off-road vehicles, your side-by-sides, your four-wheelers and stuff like that. All right. So this is uh, going to be available at uh, West 33rd Street in North Little Rock. Uh, you'll need your photo ID. Yep. You'll show it, and they'll know you're going to come over and see them. And you walk in and say, I'm such and such, and they'll say, yeah, you got a battery. That's right. You want a battery charger. We got that for you. Okay. So uh, Russ has all the information to give you when you call in. But remember, you got to call in to win. That will come up here. Uh, all that will come in. What what don't you have? I don't have the address or the location. You didn't that. Come- I just got the picture twice. Okay. Did you get the picture in uh, your email? Is that where it came from? 
Yeah. Okay. Look. Oh, you texted. I texted the address and the phone number. I made you go two places. I'm not going to repeat myself (laughs) on the air. (laughs) So anyway, we got all the information that you need. But uh, we sent everything to Russ, so he'll have it for you. I sent him a picture because he likes to see the picture, too, when we're talking about it. Well, he can describe it to whoever wins it exactly what it is. Yeah, it's it's it doesn't look like it's real big. That they've gotten a lot smaller on these. Oh, it's electronic. Yeah, it it actually on the maintainer part. If you put it on there and and it needs to be charged up, it'll trickle charge it. And if the voltage goes down, it'll trickle charge it again. It'll maintain the voltage and so it's you, not running so you, constantly. You plug it in. Yeah, right? it's all electronic with LED lights. You plug it in the wall, hook it to the battery, and put it on maintain or charge and it, walk away. And it'll charge or it'll maintain that battery. Come on, go off all winter long. That's very cool. You just walk away from it and it. take good care of you. <laughs> next time you get thing. on that four wheeler or that side by side or that boat, and you'll you be key, sure you'll have voltage. Is, yeah, you have. I have that deal. electricity to make it to make it go. That's Got to do that. All right, so last week I spoke with, uh, on Saturday, I had uh, Russell and I had Duck on here. Yeah. And we spent 20 minutes talking about oil. We can do that again. Yeah, I think we should, just you know, because I don't think people realize it's changed so much. Taking a little bit off your last hour. Yeah. The best thing I can say is, there's one thing you don't need to gamble with, Dave. <laughs> is the maintenance you're, on your vehicle you're doing good now joe you you you've learned over the years of how to bridge between one subject to the next i'm trying good job yeah. that's good but and that's right you don't want to you don't want to uh, gamble and the way you don't gamble is to be informed so correct. that you understand that the oil you're putting in your car now look if you're if you're 20 years old you've already grown up with this but if you're like me and you're in your 60s, mm-hmm. when I was a kid like you were, you had like two types of oil. Yeah, you had uh, non-detergent oil. Right. And you had uh, a single weight, which was probably a 30 or 40 weight, and that's, that's all you say. had. That's exactly right. And you See? went to the store and you bought a, a can, a can, not that's a glass correct. jar. Not a bottle. A can. And you had to buy a spout if you didn't have a spout. Either that or use a church key on it. There you go. Either one. And then you needed a funnel because you didn't want to spill it all over the top of your head. That would Then it would be smoking and everything. Yeah, that's a fact. Run down there and get on the exhaust, cause it to stink and smoke. Yeah. So uh, now the oil is an integral part. I mean, it's always been an integral part that it is down there lubricating all the steel parts that are rubbing together so they don't rub together, all right? They, they well, that eliminates friction. Friction, correct. But now it does so much more. I mean, it it keeps my timing changed correctly on my Acadia. Well, it advances the valve timing. I use oil pressure to do that. And the weight of oil is critical. And the type of oil is critical because you've got engines today that are engineered with a certain weight of oil that is it is required to for it to maintain all of the components, not just the friction redu- reduction part of it, but the right. valve phasers, cam phasers, and it uses solenoids that open and oil pressure to advance the valve timing. On the uh, if you have a double overhead cam on the exhaust and the intake side, that's why you get so much power out of a four cylinder engine. 
used to drive a Pinto and floorboard and go, in yeah. 10 minutes, you would get up to speed. <laughs> now you pull out in traffic and you punch it, and that little old four-cylinder generates 280, 300 horsepower, and it'll zip out there and go. Yeah, if you wanted a little extra power, you could cut a hole in Turn the Turn the AC bed. off. Yeah, or get it, a it. hole in the floorboard and do like Fred Flintstone. Yeah, you could do a little pedaling. <laughs> But but that, the oil today is critical for your engine to use the proper weight and what it was designed to be uh, used in it, either a conventional oil, a synthetic blend, or a full synthetic, because that's the way the engine was designed, and that's what they require you to put in it. And if you don't do that and reuse the wrong weight oil, you can damage the engine. Or if you wrong, use the wrong type of oil, you could damage the engine. And if this vehicle is under warranty, the warranty the, the manufacturer is not going to warranty it because you haven't used the proper oil in it. And number the biggest thing about it is, and we still see this today, service intervals, waiting too long to do it. Right. You know, Because the oil will start thickening up and getting heavier. Oh, it'll correct? sludge up. And these oil galleys and passages, I told you about the cam phasers and the solenoids that work them, the actuators, they have oil screens in them. They're very micro, very, very small holes. The uh, What you would call the viscosity of the oil, if it gels up and starts to thicken up, it won't go through those little screens. If it doesn't go through those screens, your valves are not going to, the cam phase are not going to advance your valve timing like it should, and you're going to lose engine performance and fuel economy because of it. But uh, I can't stress this. We still see it today, even with maintenance monitors on them, to lights that come on to tell you when to change the oil. And, you know, they're based on averages and variables, not just mileage. They're very accurate. They're very good. But people still ignore those. And, and, and in a lot of cases, we see it on the backside because the engine's damaged. It's making noise. It don't run right. And, and cars come in. And even if we're not working on it, for a drive uh, for a drivability problem i have a policy at joe's garage that my guys cannot road test a vehicle they have not checked the coolant on or checked the oil level mm-hmm. and dave i do oil changes because there's not any oil in these vehicles yeah i know and a car will come in and it'll say hey it's got ses light on what's that got to do with oil well those cam phasers are not working right because the oil level is so low when they come to a stop or they take off, it cavitates. You lose oil pressure just for a little bit. Those cams can't advance up. And if the solenoid opened to advance them and there wasn't enough oil in there to push it up there to create the oil pressure to move the cam phaser, right. it ain't going to run right. That's not good. No. And and uh, I, I can't stress upon folks out there, pay attention to your maintenance schedules and do them properly. And uh, if you don't, it's going to cost you big bucks on the back end. Yeah. I promise you. It's it's. We go back to that old commercial. You can pay me now or pay me later. Now is cheaper than later. Always. I guarantee you, you could take the oil changes, the life of a vehicle, if you added them all together, say at $45 a pop, however many years you own to add them all together, it would still be less than what it costs to put one engine in. <laughs> yeah. I promise you, it'd be about half what it costs to put an engine in. That tells you a lot right there. And the other thing a lot of people don't uh, consider is that what they do is, you know, they pop up and it says uh, change oil on your, Mm -hmm. you know, dashboard or whatever. And what most people do, I know I do it, so I'll be honest, uh, you look at uh, your your banking account and you go, "Mm, do do I need that money? Well, the 45 bucks, you know, average cost of the oil changes is, 
you know, a lot of the manufacturers or the people that sell you the new cars will do them for free. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of like bait on a hook. But if you're getting them free, that's fine. But just do them is the main thing. And when the maintenance reminder pops up there, yeah, people are kind of tight for money sometimes. Well, I'm going to skimp on that. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, at least check the oil and make sure that it's got plenty in it. Okay. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, any oil is better than no oil, I can tell you that. But using the proper weight... And, you know, if you don't know what they put in it last time at one of the quick lubes or something and you mix oils together, that's not good either because one oil will have certain enzymes in it and, and certain detergents in it. And if you mix it with another and they break each other down and that's not good. Yeah. Keep in mind that if it's a synthetic oil, it means there's no oil in it. Well, it's an oil. It's just yeah. it's just man-made oil. It's all man-made. That's you correct. Know, it's not, it, it didn't come out of the ground. Correct. We made it. That's right. correct. And you don't want to mix that with stuff that came out of the ground. Well, they have synthetic blends where they're, they are mixed together. And, you know, you're, you're talking about, like, vehicles that possibly have high mileage on them, too, Dave. Now, they have uh, high mileage oils, which is, you know, synthetic blends or full synthetics or conventionals that are really good for engines with two or 300,000 miles on them because they have... <clears throat> products in them that help the engine seals stay soft so they don't leak oil and they have detergents in them that if it does burn a little bit oil when it goes out the tailpipe that it doesn't clog up the catalytic converters all right and and so it's really good on the high mileage oils if you have one that's three four hundred thousand miles all right so when we come back we'll tell you if you go longer than that whatever your car tells you there's something that you must absolutely do Yes. We'll come back and talk about that. All right. Uh, we've got this Charge It. Uh, this is a, a, a battery charger and a maintainer. And uh, Russ has where you need to go to get this. Be the fifth caller at 8230965, 8230965, and uh, you'll win this. It'll be, it'll be all yours, 8230965. Uh, call now, be the fifth caller, and you can win. Don't forget about uh, applied research. They've got plen- plenty of uh, clinical research studies going on. If you want to be considered for that, you need to get a hold of them uh, at 501-954-7822, 501-954-7822, or go to their uh, website, arcarkansas.com. If you go there, it lists all the studies they have. They got pull down uh, little uh, boxes there that tell you everything that you need to know about what specifics you've got to meet and all that to be part of the study. Again, arcarkansas.com or 501-954-7822. Evans would, uh, will be with us talking about his new book about how people on the left are trying to erase the history of our country and uh, why that's not a good thing. And then in the final half hour of the show today, uh, Chris Lewis will join us. He's one of the uh, great uh, prosecuting attorneys here in the country, and uh, he will talk about the Manafort case and what kind of a problem is this for the president. I'm sure he'll say the same thing that Dershowitz said. Ain't no big deal. There ain't no collusion being proven there, and... uh, Uh, It's going to be interesting to hear what he has to say about Cohen uh, as well. 
So when is it uh, when is it illegal to use your own money to pay your campaign uh, to pay people that you just want to shut up and go away? Or are they telling the truth? Don't know if they are or not. Bottom line is though, uh, you know they just going out to trying to ruin your career. That's why a lot of people pay uh, people instead of getting into a court of law. So I can understand it. A lot of people can't. Yeah, I understand. They, uh, I don't know if you if you really looked hard enough at anybody, you could find something you didn't like about them oh, or I they, agree. how they did business wise or whatever. Yeah, you know, absolutely, it's absolutely. Yeah, they put true. a microscope on you, and then uh, and when it comes to you know uh, campaign funds, holy cow! I mean, it what they're talking about here is like a like a jaywalking ticket. And they're trying to talk, turn it into high crimes and misdemeanors, you know, so they can impeach Trump. It's crazy. It's really, really, really crazy. But I'll talk more about that later. Right now, I promised you I would tell you what is absolutely the most important thing you need to do. If you go out, let's say you, got, you buy Mobile One. They're the ones that are out there saying 20,000 miles between oil changes. I say that's crazy. Joe, I think, believes it's crazy, but here's what I know is crazy. If you don't change the oil filter more than 20,000 miles, you're going to destroy your engine. Well, I haven't heard the feedback yet from the manufacturers on that about how they feel about it. Because, you know, this was tried by another oil company years ago, Dave. And, uh, you know, they required you to go 20,000 miles, 15,000 miles, but every four or 5,000, you had to come in and get a filter change and a top off. That's right. And so, you know, if you're taking it in for a filter change in the top off, you're going to drain one quart of oil out of it when you take the filter out and add a quart to it. I'm thinking, you know, why don't you just change it again? But, and, and a lot of the manufacturers then, they said they wouldn't warranty your vehicle if you did not change it at their prescribed intervals with their weight of oil and whether it was a synthetic synthetic blend or a conventional, if you didn't use the oil that they deemed you should use in it that they engineered the engine with. They wouldn't warranty the engine. So I don't know how this is going to play out yet. I guess time will tell us on that. Yeah, what's going to be the difference between Mobile One and what the, you were talking about Amsoil? Mm-hmm. I mean, what to, what's going to be the difference between those two? I, I don't see any discernible difference there. And if they were telling you, Amsoil was telling you, you know, take out a, a quart and make sure you put a new filter in, why isn't Mobile One doing the same thing? Or are they... We just don't hear about it in the commercial. I don't know. I hadn't read the specifics on it, but I'm sure that somewhere they have uh, regulations on that. I'm not sure what they are, but, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, 20K, that's that's a lot. You know, most people drive ten to 12,000 a year. So you're looking at maybe a year and a half to two years between oil changes. That's a and, lot. And I have a problem with moisture intrusion in an engine. You shut it off hot. And, and it gets cool, cold, it's going to condensate and sweat. And, you know, that that's part of the failure of, of engine oil is water intrusion because mm-hmm. that moisture, it, it, it'll build up in there, and I think you'll have a problem with the oil breaking down. All right. My professional opinion. All right. Just, yeah, that's right. It's his opinion. That's it. You know, there's, I don't know if there's been any studies about that yet or not, and by the time they get done doing it, if it does do damage, should it be too late for you? Mm-hmm. Just letting you know. Yep. 
that's why i'll continue doing it the old might want to let way. somebody else do that test. yes i'd rather they find out not me <laughs> all right time to take a break and get the news in joe and i will be back in a moment you got a question eight two three oh nine six five all right so anthony waddle is the person who won the battery charger maintainer from bryant congratulations to anthony and uh, thanks for calling in and thanks for listening to the dave ellswick show and when Joe and Duck are typically on on a Wednesday, what are, what are some other things that people just don't consider about their cars that cost them in the long run? We talk about something like uh, an oil change, not doing them consistently. How that's going to going to bite you in the butt before long? Yes, it will. Uh, you got sludge buildup on lack of oil changes and maintenance. Uh, we talked about the cam phasers and low oil levels and stuff like that. You, you're, you're back to, you know, when a car comes in and we do an oil service on it, we check the fluid levels. If you're driving a four-wheel drive truck, we check the front differential, the transfer case, and rear differential. And if you look at them, you think, you know, sometimes it ain't, it ain't showing no signs of anything leaking. So it's got to be full. But Dave, you don't know how many that I took the plug out of the rear differential and it had water in it and less water intrusion. All right, and you wonder, how's that? Well, you ask the guy, do you tow a boat? Yeah. How does he get that boat in the water? Ah, backs, he backs down the ramp. Backs into the ramp, yeah. And it sits there for five or ten minutes in the water two times while he's loading or unloading, loading it back up. And so it's sitting there. Now, I'm going to tell you something about seals. Uh, seals for front differential, rear differential, all of them. <laughs> Engines, transmission, I don't care what it's for. They're made to retain fluids inside but they're not made to stop water intrusion. So if you're parked in the water and the water's floating around there and the wind's blowing and you got wakes bouncing around, hey, that water is going to seep through those seals and get inside the unit because this, the seals are not made to keep the water out. It's made to keep the grease in. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, that's a fact. All right, Keith wants to talk to you. All right. Keith hey, Keith. Hi, Keith. How are you? Oh, pretty good, Dave. And hey, Joe. Uh, mine's an old question, but maybe a little different than what normally comes down but i know you'll be able to answer it okay i just bought a new vehicle and the owner's manual states to alter your speed you know for the 1200 mile break-in but it also states not to worry about changing the oil and filter until the normal service of 5,000 miles and i was under the impression after break-in you needed to change the oil and filter because of well you know any metallic parts or, or pieces or whatever and I'm just wanting to get your feedback on that. And I'll hang up and let your answer. All well, right. Hold on. I, yeah, I just had a couple questions. Uh, sure. Uh, uh, the oil that they require to use on that, what weight was it? It's zero to 20. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. I'll be happy to talk about it a little okay, bit here. Okay. Here we go. All right. On the break-in period of oil, we covered this couple sometime weeks back a couple weeks back that, that, that oils today don't have any zinc in them. Now, if you... Like at Joe's Garage, if we rebuild an engine and put it together, we put zinc additive in there for the first oil change, okay? And the reason we do that, because the break-in period requires to have zinc in it. Otherwise, you'll have some metal-to-metal uh, -metal metal contact like lifters or, or rocker arm feelers. And in today's world, they have roller lifters and stuff, but you still have 
to get those metals to break in together and so the zinc cushions that and helps them wear in to get a wear pattern on them and then they won't wear excessively so i think that's what's happening with your vehicle they want you to alter the way you drive it drive it a little bit easy but run the whole course for the the first interval and then change it and and i think that's what's going on keith uh i i, I don't know what brand of car you're driving or anything like that but a zero weight a zero 20 is 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 a very lightweight oil and i guarantee you they've got some break-in additives in there for the break-in period and that's what's going on All right they got zero 16 coming out dave that's like water zero hot 16. or cold it's like water and 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 one reason they run such lightweight oils in these engines today is because they run them at real high pressures and you, you've got to have a, a thin weight oil because they want to get the maximum fuel economy they have, and they don't want that splash effect slinging it around in there. The lighter the oil right. is when the crank spins around with the counterweights on it, the less drag it has on the engine, and the quicker the engine will accelerate. And uh, so, they, you know, and, and they're changing a lot in these engines today where you used to have camshafts and everything was made out of cast iron. Are they not trying to get rid of the camshaft? Well, they're working on that in some areas. We're going to do solar. I think they're going to do solenoids is what they're going to do, which is possible with the computers we have today and the processors as far as speed goes, where they can open and close those solenoids and keep them in sync so the engine will perform. But, yeah, they're they're eventually going to get rid of a a camshaft completely. It'll be a crankshaft and pistons, and you'll have solenoids in the heads to open the intake valves and solenoids in the heads to open the exhaust valves. See, and that's all to meet the CAFE standards. Yes. And so that's a way to get weight, rid of some weight. And they're not dragging a camshaft, lifters and valve springs pushing them open. So get, you're getting rid of a lot of... Uh, a lot of dead weight. Dead weight that's that was there. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yeah, they, 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 in the next 10 years, you'll see a big change in combustion engine, I promise you. Big change. It's, it's, it, and it goes fast. That's what happens when they finally make the, the, the mm-hmm. breakthrough. Then all of a sudden, it's like, bam, it's done, and engines totally change at that point. Well, you know, the fuel-injected engine today and fuel management, the processor speed had to increase so great for them to really, really – manage that properly like uh o2 switching rich lean rich lean they used to be real lazy you can watch them on the scanner bink bink rather bink 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 and they're watching it rich lean rich lean optimum fuel economy or fuel management would be rich but the minute it says it's too rich then it switches and it goes lean then when it's too lean it goes back to rich so it's switching automatically but the milliseconds on those injectors how quick they can manage those and the pressures they're running on these injectors with direct injected engines, they're way up there. So a, that, that panel doesn't have to stay open very long for it to put a bunch of fuel in there. Which brings up the point that this is why you guys are always going to class about oh, yeah, working absolutely. on a car. Yes. Some of the best classes we go to are the uh, ones that are sponsored by Bumper to Bumper. And they've been around. You know, that's a great – because that's a company, a privately owned company that's been around for 100 years. That's correct. Think of all the changes they've seen. Hey, we've talked about that a few times in in, in some of their classes and in some of the meetings that I go to. I I sit down with guys that ain't never put installed a set of ignition points in their life because, (laughs) you know, they ain't been around for so long. But I can guarantee you one thing. If you call bumper to bumper right now, they're going to have a set of points in stock for a – 
just about any car that's on the that used to run on the road today it's funny in the past i look at an engine now and it doesn't look like anything like what i worked on when i was just doing it myself when you were doing it yourself you'd tune your car up every 12 to fifteen thousand miles that's correct you had to now you can go a hundred thousand before it needs a set of plugs i still when i bought the my acadia and it said that mm-hmm. bring it in at a hundred thousand because I was Thank looking. No way. Yeah, well, when, <laughs> I got to bring it. In, I get to go a hundred thousand miles. That's well, crazy. Needs a tune-up, and I'll never forget. I, t- I brought it in. It was like three hundred and something dollars for yeah. the tune-up, and and my wife goes three hundred and something dollars for yeah. a tune-up. I said, Linda, we haven't had one yet. That's this it. This is the first one in a hundred thousand <laughs> miles. We're way ahead of the of the game oh, right absolutely. now. Absolutely. You know, the maintenance is, is you know, and, and just even the spark plugs they have engineered with uh, platinum and uh, iridium tips on them. And, and, you know, a spark plug doesn't just fire one time in your engine, Dave. It fires twice. And they have some out there that are multiple spark discharges fire four or five times per stroke. Now, I didn't know that. Yes. They're burning. They're, they're firing them on the exhaust stroke, too, ah. to try and get all the fuel burned before it goes out the tailpipe. And they'll fire them on the... Uh, uh, multiple spark on the engine on the combustion stroke two or three times so to get they, it all so they, they can say, out of see it. epa look what we're that's doing right. that's what it's all about get the emissions stay down. out of stay on the good side of the epa well yeah, try they try to all right we'll be back we got more to talk about we got another segment if you have a question 823-0965 823 Six five. All right, back on the Dave Ellswick show. We've got about another ten minutes. Keith called us back. He was wondering about the break-in period, but had another question. And Keith, what was your other question that you had? Uh, on the uh, oil, is it better to go ahead and change it after the break-in period, or leave it until the five thousand mile? You need you need to read the uh, the owner's manual for what that manufacturer recommends. There, you know, there's twenty okay, different. It's a Nissan Rogue, and yeah, they recommended just uh, not doing anything until the normal oil cycle change. Then that's what I would do. So I just wanted to get yep. okay. Thank you. I, Everybody I just wanted to check. I'm old school. Back yeah, years ago, I, I that, am too. But you know, it's a different world we live in today. And if they recommend oh, yeah. you to leave it in there for the first five thousand miles before you change it. They've got some additives in that that helps break that engine oh, okay. in. That's what they're doing. All right. Thank you much, Joe. I sure You're appreciate welcome, it. Keith. Thank All right. you. I appreciate uh, your call. And, and that's another great question. What should you do? Well, I would say do whatever the owner's manual tells you well, to do. Well, that company's warranty in that engine. And so, you know, if, if you don't do it by their recommendations and you change that and you have an engine failure and they might say, well, you didn't do this right and you didn't do that right, we're not going to warranty it. And, you know, you need that warranty. A lot of these companies today warranty engine for 50,000, 60,000 miles, 70,000. So stay on their schedule and do it like they say with the weight of oil they recommend and the type of oil, either conventional, synthetic blend, or a full synthetic. And that's what I would do if it was under warranty. If you play play their game by their rules, they can't say, we're not warranting this engine during a failure. And I know there's people that are sitting out there and go, well, how do they know that you're changing at time? Because Joe, in, Joe enters yes. the information into his computer. That's connected, isn't it, to other stuff? I'm personally not connected to the social media with my data, Dave. I have reasons for that. Okay. I, and, and, and my reasons are this. 
I, I don't use a database where it's license plate, where the information is done off a of license plate. I don't use it where it's done off of an email address. I, I make my contact one way and one way only is with a telephone. And if you come into Joe's garage and you have any service work done, the RO, the only time that I'm ever going to ask you a your address is so I can tow your vehicle in if it's sitting in your driveway. But that address will not be on my RO. Your email address will not be on my RO. And if somebody hacked my database, they can't get. They're not going to get it because I consider that privileged information that I have that belongs to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to let anybody else have it because they sell it. And then you're going to get 10,000 emails and you're going to get all the other flyers that come with the address on your phone. Cool. I mean, I mean, for your house, the, the mailers, you know. It's another way Joe looks that. out for you. I had a customer come in and uh, his son had brought his uh, uh, Tahoe in and we did some service work on it. This is just an example. <clears throat> and he called me about two days later. He said, my son said he can't find his remote from my garage door at my house. And he said, last place it was in was your shop. He said, are you sure that somebody there and got my remote? And I said, I don't think so. I said, but we'll look around for it. But we had no reason to take his remote out of his vehicle. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of upset about it. And he said, well, you know, they have access to my house with that remote. And I said, sir, pull your invoice out and read the top of it. He pulled it out. And I said, do you see anything missing? He said, you don't have my address on there. I said, that's right. So if one of my guys or the remote got took out of your vehicle here, nobody knows where you live. They're going to drive around a long time before they find a door. That remote That's will open. That's what I'm saying. They're driving around and trying every door they see. Yeah, it'd take a while. <laughs> yes, it would. You know, so, and, and that's, you know, I think that information belongs to the customer, and I'm not going to put it out there on social media or any of the, um, like, anybody that tracks that, you know, the companies like right. that, they're monitoring that, looking for it because they sell it. I, I, I don't think it needs to be done, so I don't do it. All right. But how does a, how does the... The person that sold you the car, well, typically the, the oil changes at the beginning are taken care of by the dealership, correct? Mm-hmm. A lot of them do that. They'll, they'll do free oil changes for life, and, and that's fine. It's bait on the hook because, you know, if a car gets 25,000 miles on it and they're still changing your oil for free, uh, the word free is, is, is not correct because when they sell <laughs> you that vehicle, they know how many oil changes you're going to have if you do it by regular intervals right? for the life of that vehicle say up to the first hundred thousand after that you know they're they're in the hole on it but that money's packed into the price of that vehicle dave correct it's packed in well yeah they have there's nothing free yeah they can't give something but if they can get you back in there with twenty six thousand miles on it ten thousand miles before it's out of warning and they look at your brakes and say well the brakes are war you need wiper blades you need a cabin air filter you need this service you need that service they'll do and that's what they're looking for why did you show up to their shop not because you wanted all this service done because they're giving you a free oil change so you're going to show up there to get a free oil change cost you four hundred dollars you get out of there there you go that's the way it works bait on a hook you don't go fishing without bait do you no you don't that's what they're doing you just learned something today that's it why they do what they do it's all marketing it ain't for you i it's promise all you marketing <laughs> it's not that's for you it it's all marketing let's go back and talk a little bit more about bumper to bumper we were saying that they've been around for 100 years that's correct now is this their this their centennial their 100th year it's either uh, 1918 or 1919 or somewhere in between them too i know that it's 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 a hundred year old company guaranteed the first of the year 
but wow. I'm not exactly sure what the anniversary date is. But I'm working on that. I told you I was going to get a little chronology work in there, yep. how it started. Well, we want to be able to tell people because there's a reason why Bumper to Bumper does the things that they do. And this company that's in this city right here, it started right here. That's another thing. It's right here in Arkansas. Well, it's, it's a big deal if you if you survive business for a hundred years because yes, you is. have to make the changes to make that possible yeah you know good service good quality uh, parts there you know they they all the major brands of parts that's what they sell they don't sell any cheap discount parts that's not in their no in their makeup and that's why they're still alive today dave yeah you know they're not trying to compete with the cheapest price in town they're competing with quality part that's really good because they've been here They've they've raised their families here. The people of the city are kind of an extended family to them. They take care of everybody. Well, they try to very much. Make sure that they're giving them a quality uh, part for uh, their money's worth. Yeah, it's family-owned and run, and those those people that own this company live right here in Arkansas. That's very cool. Yes, it is. I mean, you don't. You know, you don't see very many companies that have been around a century. That's it. I mean, because some go out of business because whatever it is they make is not necessary any longer. Uh, that's not the case with bumper to bumper, but what they make or the companies that make it for them, things are changing all the time, and they've got to be cognizant of that to make sure that the quality is still there. Oh, yeah, they do. They do a very good job of that. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Everybody's going to have part failures, but you have minimal part failures when you deal with a quality part. And you know, don't get me wrong, all shops have installation issues, too. Didn't get this tight enough, didn't get that, that bolt was froze up, had to work on it, this, and, and things happen, and people are human, we make mistakes. But, you know, bumper to bumper, they know that, too. Even if I make a mistake at Joe's Garage or one of my techs does, they warranty it for two years, 24,000 miles, Dave. Whether it's our fault or their part failure, they're yeah, covering it. They do it. We're out of time, my man. Well, it flew by as it usually does. Yeah, it was gone in a heartbeat. It did. It's basically that way. <laughs> All right. If you're listening, Duck, get well, baby. Yes, we'll sir. see you next week. Uh, James Robbins coming up next to Racing America. A history lesson for you coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Joe, I'll see you next Wednesday. Yes, Everybody, sir. stick around. we got more coming your way. We continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. George Orwell said back uh, a long time ago, probably around 19, late 1940s, I would think, he who controls the past controls the future. He who controls the present controls the past. Or if he who writes about the past controls the future because, you know, if you control the present, then you get to write the past. You get to write history. And that makes, you know, it just makes sense. And and we're seeing that play out in our culture today. People who are writing the history of our country today are writing a vastly different history than you and I grew up being taught when we were in school. So your children and your grandchildren are being taught a totally different view of what America is from what we were taught when we were younger, and we see it play out in our culture now all the time. There is a new book out called Erasing America, Destroying Our Future, 
by erasing our past. And uh, our our guest is with us who wrote this book. We want to get him on with us today and, and talk with us. James Robbins is with us. This book just basically came out. And, and James, thanks for joining us today on Dave Ellswick Show. It is a very troubling time that we live in now, James. Oh, you're right, Dave. I mean, when you look at the progressive view of American history, of the founders and of the legacy of freedom in this country, that's just it's a very negative and dark image. And it's really no mystery to me why this rising generation of kids don't respect the country, because all they've been taught are negative things. Yeah, here's the key for everybody to remember is that you have somebody like Kumo the other day who said America was never great. You know, that was not a mistake. He truly believes that, and uh, the left truly believes that, and they're writing history in such a way that our children and our grandchildren are going to think that. You know, what was funny about that, well, number one, the fact that he said it, and I think he was really speaking accidentally, but from the heart. Uh, But the other part that was interesting to me was that then later when his spokespeople tried to walk back that comment, they said, well, you know, what he meant was that America is a land of racism and sexism and exploitation and all this other stuff. I mean, they they only made it worse. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's 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 terrible. And we we see this. I you know Orwell was was right. He who writes about writes history writes the future. You control the future by your future is going to be determined by what you learn about the past. Oh, completely true. You know um, when Donald Trump was inaugurated that week. 1984, Orwell's masterpiece, went to number one on Amazon. And I think that Orwell wrote that book as a warning. But unfortunately, I think a lot of uh, people on the left took it as more of an instruction manual of what to do. And his lesson is still very apt because, again, if all you learn about, say, the founding fathers were a bunch of bad guys, the Constitution's a racist document, Mm -hmm. and things along these lines, well, then why would anybody respect it? But, of course, that's the whole part of the agenda, because if the progressives can make everybody feel ashamed of this country, then they can just rewrite whatever they want. James, one thing that had had always worried me was how uh, in the school system today, and they're falling right in line with this whole thing, uh, it got to the point where they weren't, teaching history they just ignored a lot of the things that happened in history now they're being active in saying here's what the history was when the way that they're portraying it is absolutely wrong that that that's even more insidious than what they were doing before before they just tried to ignore it now they're not ignoring it they're actively changing it Yeah, and it's very sad because when you look at the historical purpose of education in this country, going back to when Jefferson was writing about how, you know, education, uh, it always had a civic purpose. Part of education wasn't just, you know, learning your ABCs, it was also learning how to be a good citizen. And I really don't think we're raising a generation of good citizens by teaching them that 
everything about this country is is flawed, that all the people in the past were bad guys, that everyone's a victim, and uh, everyone should put a demand on the government. Well, well let's, let's look at our former president, President Obama. When you talk, you know, if you go back and read the Founding Fathers and we read what they believed in about American exceptionalism, and then you look at what the president said when he said, uh, yeah, there's American exceptionalism just like there's British exceptionalism or French exceptionalism. That's not what the Founding Fathers said. He twisted that to give it a totally different meaning. And I don't know if he, you know if he believes that or if it was just what he was taught. Well, I think he I think he both he was taught it, he believes it and he was pushing it. But uh, it's definitely not the exceptionalism of the founders. I mean, everybody can feel good about their country. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. You know, if you're in Greece and you want to feel good about Greece, great. But the idea of American exceptionalism is that this country had a a role to play in history that was ordained by God or by some other special circumstance. You know, according to the founders, it was it was by God. And that's really the root of exceptionalism. And when you look at our history and all the things that this country has achieved, I think it really bears out the fact that there was some kind of providential aspect to the founding of this nation. No, I would not disagree with that at all, and and uh, a lot of that I believe, I believe is because the Founding Fathers themselves, though maybe some weren't Christians, but they still believed in a higher power, uh, although I think the majority were Christian. They were, many of them were, were pastors of their church's denominations and things of that nature, but everybody likes to zero in on Jefferson and the Jefferson Bible and saying, see, they were all deists. That, that's one. <laughs> one, that's all it is, one. Uh, that uh, The bottom line is is that, all, like I said, that this is all being rewritten. How do, we, how do we slow this down? How do we stop it? That's the, I think that's the crucial question here. How do we make this stop? How do parents go to a school board meeting and say, why are you teaching our children this kind of hog? wash well i have some suggestions in the back of the book on how we can work to make positive change but i think a a very important part of it is what you just said that parents need to do that they need to find out what their kids are learning see what's in the packets that they bring home from school what's on that syllabus what books are they getting how can how can parents force schools to do the right thing if they're not doing the right thing yeah, that's and, a, let me just add, that's a great, great yeah. thing you just said. Getting parents to go and force school boards to do the right thing. Let's just zero in on that for a moment. What What are some things that parents should be doing to, you know, put pressure on school boards? Well, number one is to be informed about what they're teaching your kids and discuss it at home. As Ronald Reagan said, all great change starts around the dinner table, so definitely find out what's being taught. Uh, Find out who the teachers are. What's their background? Where did they get their degrees? What are they publishing online? What are they doing on social media? You know, really try to get to know these people who have such an influence over your kids. And then once you're armed with this information, then you can go to the 
PTA meetings or the school board meetings or whatever it happens to be, or, you know, in some cases, start a petition if something really egregious is happening. But, you know, shine a bright light on it, because I think most of the bad things that happen with respect to these things are sort of happening undercover. It's just, so, you know, some bureaucrat somewhere gets away with something and it just goes on. And once the light is shown on it, people understand what's going on and they, they get rid of it. Hmm. So what do we what what do we do to, you know, I'm sitting here. It's so funny that I'm watching. We got Fox on here in the studio and uh, they're tearing down a Confederate uh, monument uh, at at a school. And these people, though, they get they get uh, tried in the court of culture and public opinion in the way people think today, saying that the way that they thought in the past was wrong, and for that reason, we shouldn't know anything about them at all. Well, that's true, and I cite opinion polls in the book that show that that's definitely a minority opinion. The people who want to tear down uh, statues and tear down history, it's only like a quarter of the population. Most people would like to see those things stay up. They understand that they're part of history and a much better way to handle this is to add to them, like add a plaque that gives more context or add a new statue or do something like that. That would be a productive approach as opposed to a violent approach of just tearing stuff down. You know, most of this is coming from people from the left, uh, the progressives, uh, uh, they're the ones that seem to want to change history. And as you said, they want to erase our history. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm at a loss for words at times for the simple reason that, you know, I, I've talked to my kids and I've gone to school board meetings and my kids have all graduated, but my grandkids now are in school. And, and I challenge uh, you know, teachers at school, I go down and say, why are you teaching this? And then I find out they were taught that. They think it's the truth when, in fact, it wasn't the truth. I remember not too long ago going to a teacher and the teacher had told uh, my daughter's classroom that we killed more people with the atomic bomb than uh, any other time during World War II. And I said, you are absolutely wrong. And uh, she says, what, are you, what do you mean? I said, the fire bombings of Tokyo alone killed more people than what both the atomic bombs killed. And she didn't even know about the, the, the fire bombings that we did with Curtis LeMay and, and whatnot. Just, and why they did them. It, it's, it's, it, they don't even know the context. I mean, do you, how do you go out and, and rehire teachers that, know the history that they're supposed to be teaching. Well, you know, that's a, that's a very good example because when people talk about the atomic bombings, uh, you know, the revisionist view is that Americans were just bloodthirsty guys giving a signal to the Soviet Union, you know, by killing the Japanese or something. Um, and so that's important to be corrected. But it's just sloppy, really. These days with the Internet, you would think that all this information is everybody's fingertips, but instead people retreat into their little bubbles where 
stuff is regurgitated and just sort of passed around until people believe it. But for example, I was on an interview Somehow I got programmed onto a progressive uh, radio station. <laughs> that would have been fun. But the, it was a blast. But they were telling me that the, the national anthem before NFL games uh, originated with a Defense Department program uh, during the War on Terror after 9-11. And that's when the national anthem started. <laughs> so it was all like a DOD conspiracy. <laughs> I was like, you know, well, I'm a little older than you guys, so I can tell you it's been going on for a lot longer than that. In fact, in the book, I go into that in some detail. You know, it, it really started when football started. But, it, but they were so convinced that they were right. They refused to believe what I was saying. Yeah, that's the worst kind of person to deal with that won't even accept the fact that they might uh, be wrong. I mean, I'm not... I'm not saying that while I'm talking to them, they should just take me for carte blanche right up in front and say, yeah, okay, I believe differently now. But it should at least solicit a response of, well, I'll look into that. Oh, sure. I even told them what the rule, the first NFL uh, national anthem rules were from 1963. I mean, they can look it up or they can go get the book. It's got tons of footnotes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need to do. You'll sell a lot of books that way, believe me. Uh, if you'll stay with me, James, we're going to be back in just a moment. I got to get a break in. I got to, you know, make some money for the radio station. So let me do that. You hang right there. We'll be with you back in a moment. Our guest is uh, James Robbins. The name of his book is Erasing America Destroying Our Future by Erasing Our Past. And that's just basically saying what Orwell said many, many uh, years ago. Don't forget about uh, our good friends at Holland Bottom Farm and get some fresh vegetables and fruits still right now off the farm. Take them right home to your family. Uh, prepare them for dinner fresh from the farm to your uh, dinner table. Choose from a great selections of things like okra, tomatoes, cantaloupe, jalapeno peppers, watermelon, sweet lunch box peppers, red, yellow, orange, and green bell peppers. They got cayenne peppers and yellow squash. It's Holland Bottom Farms. How about some delicious peaches or blackberries or their Robin Hood honey that's taken from their fu their hives that are loca located right on uh, the farm. Eat healthy with Holland Bottom Farm and Cabot right off of Highway 321. They're open Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., closed on Sunday. All right, back with you. Our special guest is James Robbins. He's got a new book out it's called the Erasing America, Destroying Our Future by Erasing Our Past. If you're watching the show on uh, Facebook Live, uh, we've got a cover of uh, or a picture of the cover of the book there on the, uh, the broadcast so that you can see it. I highly recommend that you pick it up. You know, you make this, the, the charge in this book that this is a, uh, doing a lot to destroy our spiritual bonds of our nation. Talk about that, if you would, James. We've got just about a couple of minutes left here. Well, you know, the founders had a very different understanding of the place of faith in our society. Uh, to them, it was fundamental. But sometime around the 1960s, uh, uh, courts started turning against that notion and started erecting this barrier, uh, not just between church and state, but almost between uh, faith and the public. So now uh, progressives think that any expression of faith in public is something to be embarrassed of or just something that's not good. And uh, 
it's moved along rather rapidly. And again, it's a, a, a situation where uh, it seems like the the populace of the country has just accepted that this is the way it has to be. When in fact, that's not that just completely further from the truth. The whole thing about separation of church and state is a misnomer. Jefferson was talking about a fed, uh, you know a federalized church or a national church. At that time, there were countless state churches uh, that you had to belong to if you wanted to live in certain states and things of that nature. But it's just like people don't know that stuff anymore. Well, exactly. And they should know it. And they should know that uh, a lot of people came to the United States specifically to worship in the way that they wanted Correct. and to set up communities based on their faith. Yeah, the Danbury uh, letter had nothing to do with uh, your local church on the, the corner. It just wasn't the case. With that said, we're out of time. And, and James, I'm glad you put this book together. Again, I think that every parent should read it and then follow the suggestions that you have in the back of it. It's a great title, Erasing America, Destroying Our Future by Erasing Our Past. Thanks for joining us today here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Oh, thanks, Dave. All right. We will talk to you later. It's a good book. Uh, check it out. Again, Erasing America, Destroying Our Future by Erasing Our Past. And uh, and remember, you know, what it what, uh, you know was said in 1984, the book, if you've read it, is that he who writes the history or writes the past controls the future. And he who controls the present writes the past. Really, uh, that's that's an amazing way of, of putting it, but it's the truth. It's the truth. If you're in power right now, you can write history that will change people's conception of this country and will bring a different country in the future. Take a break. Come back. We've got another guest with us. All right, back with you. And joining us is uh, Chris Lewis. Chris is uh, an attorney. Uh, of law is well known, uh, great uh, prosecutor, uh, and uh, we've asked him to join us today to talk about what happened yesterday with Manafort. And I'm I also want to bring in Cohen in, into this because when I got that Chris wanted to talk about this, it was before the Cohen uh, uh, guilty plea was was entered. And uh, so let, let's start all right with you right now, Chris, about about Manafort. No collusion. Why does it matter to Trump? Well, it matters to Trump because um, that's that's what he's been talking about, and that's his his rallying cry. And, and, and quite frankly, that's the thing that he can point to and the victory that he can take from this particular case. Now, this particular case never had anything to do with uh, illusion uh, with Russia. It was all about improprieties um, with uh, bank fraud and financial crimes on the bat on behalf of Rick Gates and uh, Manafort so what Trump is doing now and it, it makes some sense uh, accentuate the positive and you know a lot of the public doesn't know what this trial is about they think that any of these trials and the entire investigation is solely about was the Trump campaign colluding with Russia to somehow um, affect the 2016 election. 
but it's good for Trump because he can still shout out to his base, listen, I told you, here's a trial that they had. Yes, Manafort was convicted. He shouldn't have been convicted, but it had nothing to do. It's just further evidence that, that we did not collude with, with Russia in any manner. Yeah, and, and does that play as well with other people the same way? Does everybody say, what's Mueller spending $22 million on? He got a guy for income tax fraud. So what? Yeah, you know, I, I think that question runs straight down political lines. Um, the special counsel, the whole investigation was originally premised around the question of did Russia attempt to influence the 2016 election? If yes, was the Trump campaign who, if they did, and the Trump campaign was a beneficiary of that, did the Trump campaign, Donald Trump himself, or any of the people working for him, um, were they complicit in that? And that's what people want this to be focused on. Now, invariably, what's going to happen is is they're going to start looking at things, and you start digging into a person's past, and you want to know what they're involved in. You follow their finances. That would be the natural order of things. And then if you see that there's improprieties and that there's crimes, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to ignore those? Or are they supposed to prosecute those things that might not have been the initial target of the investigation, um, but it's, it's tangential things that have arrived and are very serious crimes? So I think if you look at Trump's base, he's going to say, listen, this is, uh, this is window dressing. This is not important. This is a waste of time and money, and it's diverting attention away from the things that need to be done in this country. Um, and it's making President Trump um, a, a little less effective than he could be. I think that the Democrats are saying everyone associated with Donald Trump and his campaign they're going down one by one. They're all being convicted of a variety of the crimes. And surely this eventually leads to President Trump in wrongdoing on his part. Yeah, it just, yeah, this is driving me crazy because it's like uh, I could care less. I mean, if, you, if, you, if they had found something that said that uh, Trump had really colluded with the Russians, which I, I felt all along they didn't have anything. If they did, we'd already know about it. And uh, there's so much uh, other material that is floating around this that uh, people who had wanted to bring ill to this uh, administration have been uh, using, you know, the dossier and all the rest. I mean, uh, shouldn't the American people look at this and get pissed off about it? Um, that's a that's a tough question to answer. It it, it depends on on. You know what your slant is. What uh, what lenses are you looking through? Uh, the interesting thing here is we are dealing we're dealing with the rule of law. We are dealing with crimes that in fact occurred. How should those things be handled? So you know the law should be completely objective, right? But what every decision that's being made has political implications. So it's very difficult when you're talking. Um, about uh, this special counsel and about this investigation and about these prosecutions, it's very difficult to divest yourself of the political implications and just focus on the crimes. Um, do these things need to be prosecuted? Yeah, they do, because they're crimes that have occurred. Um, there's no doubt about it. They were presented. It was presented to 
you know, a jury of 12, and on eight counts, he was convicted of those. But are these the things that were the underlying reason for the special counsel being appointed for the investigation? No, it wasn't. So, uh, I mean, I, I can understand the frustration of, all right, we understand these, these other things and, and these fraudulent things and these banking things, but let's get to the heart of the matter. And to your point, you said, you know, I feel like that if uh, there was something on with Trump colluding with Russia, we would have already heard something. I think you make a great point there. You know, this was a big trial for the Mueller group. And the reason why is because it either gives the whole thing legitimacy or it does the opposite. And the convictions gives this some legitimacy. But you sure would think that what they would do if they want to give this whole thing is legit legitimacy is you lead with your strongest case. And if the strongest case, if what we're here for is colluding with Russia and you have that, it sure as heck seems that that's the one that you would lead with, not a bunch of financial crimes that had nothing to do um, with President Trump or uh, his campaign possibly colluding with the Russians. Well, you know, just as an as a normal Joe, I mean, I'm not a lawyer or anything like that. I just try to kind of say what I, you know, what I think that my listeners are thinking at this time. And it, it's like, okay, so you told us you're going to find about whether there's collusion or whatever. Evidently, you've not found any collusion. So shut this thing down and let's move on. You know, there's nothing here to see. We got a guy. I, I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I can't disagree with that. I mean, that that's very plausible. I, and even thinking like a lawyer. I mean, if I've, you know, um, there was a time I was a prosecutor, and I understand there's a certain mindset there. Uh, I'm now have been a defense attorney for a long time, and if I've got um, a client who's being investigated, and he's received a target letter, and they said this is what we're investigating you for, and they've determined that he didn't do anything associated with that. But then they continue to look into his life and just focus on him unnecessarily. Um, he would start to get frustrated. I would start to get frustrated. It would seem to me to be a witch hunt. Well, so witch hunt and a head hunt. It would be a, a witch hunt and a head hunt. And let me tell you what, there is no rest for the weary when the government is looking in because they've got all reaching power. To, to look into every facet of your life. And, and here's the other power that they have, that, that a lot of people, uh, they may know about it, but, but they, it's really tough to, to understand um, how pervasive this is. When the government starts calling in, when federal prosecutors start calling in people associated with you, people that you work with or you've worked with, that you're associated with, and they start saying, listen, we think that this other individual that you're associated with has committed a variety of crimes. And maybe you were complicit in this, or maybe you were a co-conspirator, or maybe this, and you know, we're looking at a lot of things, but we're not going to give you a whole lot of information, but it would behoove you to tell us everything you know about this person. Yeah. Well, a lot of times, you know, people, they get into this self-protection, this self-preservation mm -hmm. mode, and they say, I will tell you whatever you want to know as long as it makes me look good and as long as it keeps my powder dry. Right. And that's really the, pow the power of this process is what other people are saying because they are so scared about what might happen to them. Dershowitz said something today that I thought was just 
unbelievable. I've written it down. He said what they try to do is squeeze somebody to make them sing, but the problem becomes they start to compose. Yep, I would. I think that that's uh, uh, well said and much better than I could say it. I mean, that was really, really well done. He's up doing his thing, but but yes, that's exactly that's exactly what happens, and and that's where uh, that's where we become fearful. Are you just telling the God's honest truth? Or now, now are you creating mm-hmm. something that sounds better just to ensure that, uh, I mean, it almost becomes a situation where you are trying to please your audience. Okay, you know, so you're, you, you are receiving hints about what your audience is looking for. And I think it's human nature, especially in a situation where you're scared, um, to, to, to give in to that and to give them what they are looking for. Yeah, and and that brings up this whole point of Giuliani when he was talking about, you know, whose truth, basically. Uh, The other day, a lot of people said, well, he's saying there's no truth. No, what he was saying was that the president has said what he believes uh, is the truth, as as he knows it. Then somebody else from the government or whatever, and let's say it's Comey, and he's the head of the FBI, and he says, no, here's the truth. Okay, so— Maybe the president is te- is really telling one hundred percent the truth, and Comey isn't. But you're going to have twelve men and women sitting there listening to both of them talk. Which truth are they going to believe? Well, and that's where that's where jury trials are are a little bit more art than science. Um, and the law provides for there being multiple truths from a subjective perspective because we might we might both look at the same thing and one person believes x to be true and the other person believes y to be true and both things might very well be true and both things might very well be untrue but when it comes down to elements of a particular offense um, whether or not a person committed the crime it's not only important what you believe individually but what does the circumstances, the circumstantial evidence, the circumstances around whatever the evidence is, what does that show? And sometimes it just requires a jury to make their own decision. Now, here's what's great about our process, because most of the time you see it work out. I would say the vast majority of the time you see it work out. You've got 12 people it's got to be unanimous. We don't all mm-hmm. think the same. We're not just so homogenized. I mean, jury rooms can be some of the most contentious places. I, I've seen a lot of angry jurors. And what they do is uh, the way that they voice that, assuming that you have multiple strong jurors on both sides of an issue, is they eventually agree to disagree which is where you see hung juries. So in the Manafort case, obviously on uh, eight counts they agreed, but there were ten that they could not reach an agreement. And I don't know, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how long they deliberated, but it was multiple days. And you would think if there was an agreement that would be, uh, that would be had, um, it would have been done in, in that period of time. So, you know, I, I, I believe uh, cases haven't always gone my way. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot of times, but there's a lot of times, um, I, I 
didn't get the outcome that I wanted. But I'm hard-pressed to find a situation when I reflect back where I just believe that the jury categorically got it wrong, and and I'm sitting back and I'm like, I don't know how they could have reached this decision. Every decision a jury's ever reached, um, if you know, once I'm away from the trial a little bit and I'm kind of Monday morning quarterbacking things, um, I look in there and I say, yeah, I can completely see how they reached this decision, and and it's a good decision. All right, we've got just about two minutes left. Let me just ask this question of you. With what, the, you know, Cohen came out and said, yeah, Trump gave me the money. I made, uh, I paid up the hush money or whatever. So what? All right. I mean, if Trump had paid it out of just out of his own pocket, nobody had any problem with this. This is all about campaign finance crap. And it seems like to me that uh, they're trying to take a molehill and make it into high crimes and misdemeanors. I don't believe it's going to work. It is. Um it is a crime. I mean, we're we're um, right there. But does it seem like it is making a a mountain out of a molehill? And, and I think that it does. Um, now, there's a lot of laws like that, and most of them deal with some sort of finances. Um, you know, and the theory behind it is that if somebody pays for something that that you know. Per, protects a person's political fortune or their uh, or their stake politically, that, that's a campaign contribution. That's got to be reported, and there's ways that's got to be dealt with, and that wasn't done. So by the letter of the law, yeah, it's good. But once again, what is this all about? I mean, I think that's the real question. And when we start out with the premise that Russia is colluding, they're, they're getting in here, and no one likes the idea that the Russians are in here, and they're messing with our affairs, and they're affecting our elections, and oh, by the way, our sitting president must have done it, but then you're hearing all of this ancillary, very tangential, not very serious things that most of the people don't care about. Mm-hmm. It seems like this is about something else. Yes. That's how it seems. Seems like to me that if you were too close to the president and you supported him, uh, they are looking for your head. They want, they want to do you harm. and uh, certainly happened to several of them so far. Yeah. So uh, I feel sorry for them. I really, really do. Hey, Chris, we, we appreciate your time. This is a, it, It's such an interesting thing to talk about. I don't think that the president's going to be impeached. I don't think they have the, what it takes to be able to do it. They'll ne- definitely not get – if they impeach him, they'll never get him found guilty. That's just not going to happen in the Senate. And, uh, you know – this kind of went through when Edwards was running for president. Uh, he was found not guilty, and then they didn't go back and retry him. So I, I don't know. It's going to be it, it'll be interesting to watch. And are people willing to try to tear down the republic just to protect their political party? I guess we're going to see, huh? Yes, sir, we will. That's amazing. Chris, thanks a lot. We appreciate you. Chris Lewis here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Final break. Come back. Wrap it up for you tomorrow. And Coulter, 4 o'clock. You don't want to miss that. All right. Let's finish it up for a Wednesday. Tomorrow with it being Thursday. That means in the first hour and in the 5 o'clock hour, J.R. Davis, the uh, governor's spokesman, will be on with me. We'll have a lot of different things to talk about, about what's going on in the state, how uh, we're doing different things. I'd like to ask about you know, doing business with China, is that, is that good business to do business with China? I mean, uh, they are considered one of our major enemies in the world. So we'll talk about, I'll ask that question and 
and get what the uh, the governor is is thinking about. I'm sure one of the things he thinks about is that somebody's going to offer him, you know, tax breaks, things of that nature to come in and bring their business uh, to our state. Uh, and uh, there's some there's validity to that arg- argument. We'll get we'll get into the discussion tomorrow. Also, uh, the the female power panel is going to be here. Elizabeth Elizabeth will be here. Hannah will be here, and so will uh, uh, Shelley. They'll all three be here in the studio. We've got a special guest. Last week it was Diamond and Silk. They were on, and that has been a huge uh, watched. Uh, piece of video on our uh, our uh, facebook page my facebook page uh, dave ellswick show page over i think seven thousand people have watched that and uh the one the the uh, we had an interesting discussion yesterday about a gentleman in greenbrier had some problems about carrying a gun nearly four thousand people have watched that video and uh, we'll have the uh, the uh, retired officer on with us next tuesday and I've got the uh, the the camera uh, from the officer that stopped that guy, and was he belligerent? I'd have to say he was. You'll get to hear it here on the Dave Ellswick Show. That's coming up on Tuesday. But we got a really special guest coming up tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Ann Coulter will be by. She comes by about twice a year. We'll have her on tomorrow for a half hour, 4 to 4.30. You don't want to miss what Ann has to say, because I'll tell you this, she won't be holding back. Russ has seen her up close and personal. <laughs> it's really fun to watch. Uh, you'll, she'll not be on, not in the studio, but she'll be on phone with us. We'll have a lot of things to talk about here on the, the Dave Ellswick Show with Ann Coulter and our female power panel and J.R. Davis. You be sure you're here with me tomorrow. We'll get it underway at 2 o'clock. You have a nice evening. I'll see you then. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.